going on, people? This is the Live Life Aggressive Show. Sincere Hogan, Mike Mahler on the other side. What's going on, brother? Oh, I'm doing good. We have the Walter Cronkite of the fitness industry back on the show, and people are going to realize why we like to call him that, because he's a guy that does some serious investigative journalism. You don't want to be on the wrong side of, of Anthony, because he'll find dirt on you. <laughs> he'll, he'll find dirt on you that you didn't realize you even had on you. Exactly. So and it's not fake news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, he's, he's very thorough with his research. And he's come up with some pretty interesting developments recently as he's studied Kratom. So we'll let him get into that for us. Anthony, how you doing, man? Welcome back. Good. Thanks for having me. When, it was uh, a pleasure. Yeah, when was the last time I was on? Was it over the winter? Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a minute. I, so even with this episode, we on, we'll wait. We'll wait and see. If, we'll wait and see if you get sued or not before we release this episode. As well, <laughs> <not gonna pass. laughs> we may scrap what? this one. I mean, it gets too bad. Yeah, wanna, you know what? I don't want to be. This I don't want to be seen man. <laughs> no, no. Believe me, I'm. Uh, you know. At this point, because um, we've gotten you know a bunch of threats for I guess for the article we're going to talk about. Believe me, right. I'm, I'm thinking about these words right now being played back to me in a deposition. So um, <laughs> there'd be a weird meta moment hey, in man. the deposition. Uh, but I'm, you know, I'd, I'm just letting you know, man. I'd like to say I'm hello a, to I'm myself if I'm listening to this uh, in the future. <laughs> Yeah. Well, cool, man. Let's start with this whole thing. Now, you you have been very instrumental at helping the public realize a lot of the being the misunderstanding statements about kratom, and a lot of us didn't even know what kratom was until you started talking about it and the potential benefits. You've always had a very balanced view on it. You've never overemphasized the benefits and diminished any possible negatives. You're all about bringing information and letting people decide. So what's been going on recently with your Kratom research, and what? how well, did that so, lead to this expose you wrote recently? So most recent, I don't know, I was doing research for a documentary, and it came out, I want to say last week it was released. Is that, was that Leap of Faith? Uh, yeah, that's really good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Chris that's uh, it's out on, yeah. yeah, it's on, it's on, uh, like, I guess, uh, iTunes, like you could buy it on oh, iTunes. It's on Amazon, Amazon Prime as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, like, two, I think, not even last summer, two summers ago, I think it might have been, um, I was doing research, uh, you know, into Kratom, and uh, part of the research um, was every time Chris Bell, who's the documentarian who made the uh, movie, every time he went to go interview someone, uh, I would do a, a scrub on the person, right? So you basically, you know, you dig into their background, their education, um, you know, sort of interviews they've given, uh, and, you know, lawsuits uh, they might have been a party to. Usually I only check uh, federal because uh, I'm not going to, like, check every town of every places, you know, someone's ever lived. But, you know, just get a kind of a broad overview. And um, so this guy who was formerly the uh, head of the dietary supplement division 
over at the FDA, uh, Dr. Daniel Fabricant. When I started digging in on him for the movie, uh, it just sort of led me to pull this thread um, where, you know, he really has been conducting himself uh, badly according to these lawsuits. So, you know, it's basically a laundry list of unacceptable behavior. Again, uh, if the complaints are to be, you know, taken as truth, uh, the allegations are like sexual harassment, religious discrimination, age discrimination, you know, obviously hostile work environment. Um, I mean, it just goes on, you know, uh, all sorts of, you know, bullying, intimidation, just really, um, really shocking behavior for a, a workplace, you know, over the past five years or so. You know what I mean? Um, it might have been, you know, a different story a few years ago, but now, I mean, this stuff really is zero tolerance kind of stuff for, for most employers. Right. But for him, uh, it doesn't seem to be. I mean, he's, you know, he's just carrying on, uh, you know, in his job. He's a, the uh, CEO of the Natural Products Association, and despite multiple lawsuits and, um, you know, people signing affidavits that, you know, say all kinds of horrible things, he's, you know, he's still there, still doing his thing. Um None of this made it into the creative movie because it's so so much of a really of a tangent um, that it was kind of like you know Chris made the the decision that uh, it would sort of be poisoning the well like we really wanted to address his position against kratom and you know examine that rather than say like oh this this guy is a bad human being you know we didn't want to detract from sort of the main right. thrust. Right. So basically, none of that made it in. Yeah. Well, so none of that made it in, and but now, like as a journalist, as a as a researcher, I'm sitting on a mountain of evidence, and you know, what do you do with it? You know, I mean, just like, you know, you go to bed every night and you're thinking, like, I have this information, and and maybe someone is you know, working under him suffering right now, you know? Or maybe there's more people that are scared to come forward because just about everyone who's come forward has been fired. Um, right. You know, so it's pretty tough to go to bed at night and, and not put the information out there if you have it, you know? So it didn't make it in the movie, but I felt... I felt like how, how hard was it? Day. How hard was it to find a place to publish that? Well, okay, so um, so Fabricant was actually, believe it or not, uh, depends on how I would have pitched it, right? Because I have uh, a laundry list of really unacceptable behavior, and he was a Trump appointee, so. Those kinds of articles, like sexual harassment and, you know, age and disability discrimination uh, by a Trump appointee, I mean, probably I could have gone just about anywhere, just with that hook, right. you know? Right. Uh, he was appointed to the Second Amendment Coalition. 
um, which never, as far as I know, never did anything. Like, uh, <laughs> it's just, like, I don't think they've ever, literally ever done anything um, at all, other than get named to that coalition. But, uh, <laughs> right. But no, but I, you know, I went, Muck Rock was my first choice, you know, because I, I write for them. Um, and I went to my editor, and I was like, here's the story. And he's like, yeah, man, we're into it. And then when I went to go... Well, why not you know, Why not take it? Why not take it to CNN or Fox News, though, just to get... Because that's where you would get the most eyes on it, I would imagine. Yeah, well... Um, well, once once you're... Once you're threatened with a lawsuit, because I went and I, I wanted to get his side of the story. Right. So I identified myself. I'm from Muck Rock. And um, he was like immediately like uh, kind of verbally, well, I don't know. He was It was an email, but you get the idea, like verbally attacking me and threatening to sue me and, I don't know, right. call me a winner or whatever. And he, <laughs> well, you know, just... Well, I believe he said that. I believe he said that you live at home with your mom in her basement, something to that effect. Uh, or I sleep on her couch. <laughs> Which something, is not even something <laughs> like that. I mean, you get the idea. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I mean that's like the that's like the worst thing in the world. You, you know, you could really say to like to a journalist is just start attacking them personally because, like, I mean that. Right, you're getting accused of bullying, and now you're trying to bully the guy interviewing you. Right, it right. Is like the worst kind of thing. And despite my best efforts, and despite my editor's best efforts, um, that quote from him universally has been when people say the best part of the article was, it's always that quote where he's just insulting me. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so the decision was basically this. They're my first choice, you know, because I'm working with them. I've done hundreds of Freedom of Information Act uh, requests with them. And they were my first choice. Um, and, you know, part of that um, is because I, I do expect um, there is a, a high potential of, of my being sued. And to be honest, I... I look around at my colleagues at Muckrock and I see these are guys I can be in a foxhole with. Right. Uh, and that's not a position I want to be uh, with people from Vice who I might not know or you oh, know, yeah, Medium sure. or whoever. Um, you look around and you say, all right, we're going to have to defend this hill. Right. And Muckrock, my editor, Michael, you know, and, and everyone there, it's like, all right, I could I could go to war with these guys. You know, this is the army I have. I'm good with that. I wouldn't want to do that with a company I really wasn't as comfortable with. Yeah, you don't want to be the Ollie North of this situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, Muckrock's, um, you know, I mean, we're a nonprofit, you know, freedom of information uh, center, so... Now, now, how can you get sued? I mean, I read the article, and you documented everything. It's not just your opinion or what you heard from somebody. It's all very do well documented with official official documentation all throughout the article. So how can you be sued over the article? Well, uh, it, would, it would be frivolous, you know, in my estimation, and that's something uh, 
to, to be really frank, the, the NPA and Fabricant, they have pretty spectacular lawyers. I mean, they, they have, I think they have a, a white shoe firm down in D.C. So they definitely have some heavy hitters, um, you know, working their side of the street. But um, I think that actually helps us because if they did try to sue, I think, or if they did want to sue, I think their lawyers would probably immediately recognize that it would be frivolous. Right, right. Um, it's more of a, it's more of a yeah, threat I mean, at look, this point. You know, what's that? It's more of a threat at this point. If it actually went to a judge, most likely the case would get thrown out. We, we would hope, yeah, the first motion to dismiss would be the end of it. Um, and for a lawyer filing that case that, you know, has the potential to put you in a precarious situation because um, it would pretty, you know, we might be able to make a case that the suit was filed to intimidate us or the threats in the suit were to intimidate us. And that's not something, you know, that's acceptable uh, for an officer of the court, you know, to try and use the courts in, in an intimidatory manner, you know. Right. But, yeah, we Let's could definitely back, uh, be sued for it. Okay. Let's backtrack a little bit here and talk about what's his role in this whole Kratom story. Well, he was the uh, director of the Division of Dietary Supplements for the FDA when the, the herbs started, when Kratom or Kratom started getting popular. And it was his position that... Uh, it required a new dietary ingredient notification, and that's still the FDA's position, and it's, you know, it's my position. Right. Um, you know, it needed this notification, and, you know, so he sort of has been against it from the start, um, you know, based on, based on that. I mean, I, I don't know if he would have any other motivation, but it could just be nobody's come up with enough safety data or whatever. Um, but so then when he left the FDA, uh, he went back to the Natural Products Association, which is the oldest and probably most powerful uh, dietary supplement uh, industry lobbying firm. Uh, so he actually was at the NPA. He left for a job at the FDA while he was at the FDA, he actually, um, more people from the NPA, at least one more that I know of, was hired out of his old position, and then he went back to the NPA. So it's kind of a bit of a revolving door over at right. the FDA, and the NPA has definitely got probably people who are sympathetic, you know, being former employees, and they're definitely a major force in the industry. And so is he, as their CEO. Right. Now, why? Why? What's What's going on with Kratom in the sense that why is it trying? Is it are forces in play to schedule this as a drug where people would have to get a prescription, or you make it illegal? What's going on with Kratom right now? Well, um, right now it lacks. Uh, you know, an NDIN, a successful new dietary ingredient notification. So, um, you know, really, uh, people shouldn't be selling it as a uh, dietary ingredient. 
Um, is, that, is that why most companies say not for human use? Most companies that sell it, they can't really give you recommendations on how to use it. Yeah, yeah, that's why a lot of companies... Well, so there's... um. Yeah, there's some disagreement within the community about that. First of all, it, it just makes the the community look terrible, right? If everything you're going to buy, it, you know, and sell is not for human use, and it's all this sort of, you know, wink, wink, you know, kind of everyone knows what it's for, but no one will say it. It, it just looks right. Right. shady. Looks sketchy. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then, you know, it's... It's sold at head shops. The, and, yeah, you know. exactly. The only place to buy it, whenever I tell someone about it, they go, oh, can I get it at the vitamin shop? I go, no, nah, you have to go to a smoke shop. <laughs> at that point, people start wondering whether this is something they should take or not, where the only place you can buy it is at a smoke shop. Yeah, that's that's not a good look. Um, and then, you know, when you do buy it, it says, you know, not for human consumption or whatever. Right. Um, I mean, there might be some... There might be a really good case to be made that it could be sold as a food, um, you know, maybe selling it as tea or something. That might, you know, that's be how, more acceptable. That's how I got it. Well, that's how I got that's it here tea. in Houston. It's like, you know, you go to a place where they sell, like, natural teas, like, you know, reishi and things like that. So it, it, those type of natural herb tea type places, you know, places where it's selling incense and everything else, that's where you can get it here. So, and that's how they Yeah, were and I don't think GNC or Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, I think that I think that that's right on. I think that's, you know, probably how it should be sold since if you look at traditional use and you say, well, we have a thousand years of use, it's used as a tea, not as a dietary supplement. So, you know, I, I think I think Right, you sell it as a food, one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I think possibly one root of um you know, making it acceptable is to get a, a scientific panel and have them do a uh, generally recognized as safe determination um, and say, look, it's a food. You know, it's not synthetic. We can go this route, you know, for a food. And uh, just no one has done that. Everyone's tried to everyone's tried to basically get their own version accepted through an NDIN, and, which would essentially corner the market. So nobody who submitted one really has the the consumer or the industry in mind. They have, like, cornering the industry in mind, and it's been wildly unsuccessful. No one well, the company, the, the, company, the company that's in A Leap of Faith, they, they, say, they sell it as a dietary supplement, and they yep. say it's for human consumption, and they're the only company I'm aware of that's doing that. I think uh, there's another one, like, I forget what it stands for, but it's OPMS. Uh-huh. It's like uh it's you know they they sell it and they say I think they say it's for for human consumption. Um I Well mean, the company and, that yeah, was I in the that, movie definitely does. Yeah, or that's so that's Urban Ice. That's um Yeah, Urban Ice. Exactly. That's Urban Ice, which I think is a, a terrible name cuz it makes it sound like you're selling meth, right? Um, <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't think of that. I, I've, I've used it. I'm like, what? When I heard the name, I was like, wait a minute, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I think that's a like horrific name. It's Urban Ice Organics, which right. doesn't even like to me make sense. Uh, but yeah, yeah I'm that not sure. Guy, if they, I'm not sure if it's organic. I mean, I've used their kratom though, and it's very good. I feel like the quality's fine. I've, I've definitely noticed a positive difference. No, I, I absolutely think the quality is 
is really right up there um, with with anything I've tried in in terms of the the product. Uh, yeah, it's I mean it's it's got to be the the market leader. I mean, you know, to me. But that that guy, just full disclosure, you know, that guy um, funded the movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've tried to get him on the show. I haven't heard back from him. Uh, so he he funded the movie, and um, you know that was. Uh, but but the movie was being shot before they tried to outlaw kratom. Right. So he funded it like in twenty six early twenty sixteen, like probably January twenty sixteen. So it's not like this happened, and he said, "I'm going to put out a documentary." And right. oppose this, it's that it was just a general information documentary, and then all of a sudden, thank God, it gave the documentary some, like, some focus, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's uh, you know, and some people say, like, oh, it's, a, you know, sort of a conflict of interest, but, I mean, you know, we're open about who fund you know funded the movie. He's in it. His product's probably the only one that's mentioned. You know, yeah, that's true. Not, I didn't feel it was an advertisement for his company. His company is definitely prominently shown in the movie whenever they talk about someone who's retailing Kratom. But I, I didn't feel that the movie came off as a, a PR piece. For yeah, like a shill piece. I mean, it's, it's right. difficult when you're on the inside to judge, like, how are we coming off? Yeah. You know? I thought it was pretty balanced. Most, most. I think Chris is. I think Chris is very good at documentaries, and this one's no exception. Yeah, no. I think. I mean, you know, he went to right, like, like UCLA Film. I mean, that right. That's like the top film school, probably in the world. Um, so, he, well, what's, you know, what's interesting is for that prescription thugs is that he became addicted to painkillers in the process of making that movie, a movie about being addicted to painkillers. The one he did right before a leap of faith. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Kratom, Kratom helped him break that. And it's helped a lot of people break their addictions to opiates. So I feel that the only real controversy over Kratom is the fact that it actually works for a lot of people. Yeah, and if you're, you know, I mean, you know, there's all these pharmaceutical preparations that are supposed to help people get off opioids, but, you know, to be honest, I really think people are, you know, not to give medical advice, but I really think a lot of people would benefit more from Kratom than they would from, you know, a lot of the, the alternative, or not alternative, the acceptable mainstream remedies for addiction. Right. Um, you know, I think a lot of people would probably be better off with with kratom if that was, you know, an option. Yeah. Um, yeah, but think about that. You can't you can't justify raising taxes and raising government, you know, spending and funding, you know, for something so natural like kratom. You know, whereas you can declare an opioid crisis, and then that automatically is going to give you more funding on the government level, which means you're going to raise taxes. You're going to end up, and there's no telling where the spending is going to go. But right. you justified it by saying there's an opioid crisis now because it's affecting the children that look like these politicians, and that makes that a crisis. <laughs> you know, so you don't want. So basically, we're not looking for a cure. We're looking for a reason to justify more, more raising of more taxes and more spending and more money that's going to be wasted at the government level. Because honestly, how's that even? How's declaring a crisis and raising that money and getting taxes for that? How's that actually going to stop something that people have been doing since the beginning of time, which is 
taking any type of drug. You know, you can't legislate this stuff. You know, no matter what, this war on yeah. drugs is just a big farce. It's just a way to get more money into the government so they can waste money. And let's just be honest about that. And so everybody can get up in arms like, oh, there's a crisis. I'm like, I'm sorry. Crack came before opioids. <laughs> you know, it's just like, hey, there was, a, there was a crack, you know, crisis, but no one declared that because no one cared about who, who, who were the main people that were, you know, who were the victims of this crack crisis. You know, but when it gets close to home, when it gets, you know, little Johnny, the politician's son, you know, he's getting kicked out of, you know, Harvard or whatever else because, hey, he's either hooked on it or he's selling it. You know, now it's a crisis, you know, before yeah. it becomes public and, and it ruins the reputation of that politician. So then that's all that's about. So none of this stuff is really about morality from a government level, man, you know, from a legislative level. And that's the reason why, because if it was, then Kratom would be a viable, a viable option at this point. You would think so. Yeah. Anything, and, and, a lot of these you know, you're things, right. Like, no pharmaceutical companies side. came out with uh came out with a, a way to get kids off crack, right? I can't think right. of a crack remedy or, you know, that wasn't an area that they got into. But like yeah. you said, you declared a, an epidemic, and now there's funding for companies to be subsidized. And, you know, um, hmm. It's exactly. well, we're gonna we're gonna need we're gonna have we're gonna have a lot of we're gonna have an increase in tax for welfare recipients with all the tariff wars we have going on now when people can't when people have to pay fifty dollars for a t shirt at Walmart that they're used to paying five dollars for. It's gonna be interesting how a lot of the people a lot of the people who voted for Trump are gonna be negatively affected by the policy well, actually, it's initiating this well, week. Statistically those people are the those those are the main people receiving welfare and food stamps already. You know, anyone you can go on, you can go right on you know, the government's website like no and see that. I mean, so those people are the there are those are, those Trump supporters are already they were already being hit by this stuff before it even before the tariffs even happened. You know, they just they just yeah. wouldn't even admit it. But the stats are right there. It's sitting right there. So yeah, I don't know, 49% think well, yeah, like you said, statistically, the average Trump voter is very unlikely to really ever benefit from from almost anything he's doing. Right. I mean. Well, right. like, it's, it's, like like average... said. it's like Dave Chappelle said. It's like Dave Chappelle said. It's like, you know, you, you got all these Trump supporters. It's like, yeah, he speaks to me. You know, he, he, and Dave Chappelle goes, uh, no, he speaks to me because I'm rich. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, a 72-year-old billionaire doesn't speak to me. Like, I don't know. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, that's not my language. I don't know what language these other people are speaking, but that's just not... I don't look at him and say like, yeah, there's there's us. That's a man of the people. It's like, <laughs> there's there's my peer. Right? You know. <laughs> no, it's it's tough, man. It's you know, it's one of those things where they're just you know, there's just at, like you said, at every level since the beginning of time, people are like, what can I eat that'll make me feel better or whatever, you know, make me feel okay about or. Pain. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. People pain, look. Everybody, every, since forever, since forever, the first guy that ate something said, "This feels good when I eat it." Everybody around him <laughs> ate it. That was it. That's <laughs> yeah. Right. That was. I mean, right away. So that's right. That was the first Nino Brown. Right. That was like <laughs> pretty much. <you> know, <laughs> and you know, we're all we're all born drug addicts. We're all addicted to that serotonin rush. You know, hundred oh, percent exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, exactly. we're, we're well, you, you wouldn't get anything done without addiction. Yeah, you wouldn't get anything done without being motivated by wanting a dopamine increase, wanting a serotonin yeah. increase. Yeah. So I mean, you know, and it's 
like obviously we figured out ways that you could take a microgram of something so powerful it kills you it kills you you know which is something like fentanyl um but that genie's out of the bottle you know i mean look we're all we all like to feel good and addressing this in anything less than a you know on that level uh is going to be is going to be ineffective i mean everyone wants to feel good but the ban right. stuff that makes you feel good is not a viable policy. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and that's one thing Kratom does, too. It's not just a pain reliever. It, it, I've noticed a, a nice mood increase whenever I take it. Yeah, me too. No, I, I you know, I mean, and if that gets someone through the day, like, you know, my yeah. friend uh, Andrew Turner is one of the guys from the from the movie. Um. You know, he has Mies syndrome, and he's got, which is like uh, like facial tics and stuff. Um, right, right. And he had his hand shattered when he was he was working uh, at uh, Guantanamo Bay. He was on Task Force Platinum. And, uh, yeah, he's got a bunch of problems, and Kratom helps him get through the day. Like, why would we, well, how do we want to take that away from him? You know? Yeah, if anything, more research should be, more and more should be going into this so we understand it better and can yeah. utilize it more effectively to help people. Well, once they can, you know, once they can find a way, once they can find a way to tax it, once they they can tax it and, and make it exclusively for them, you know, just like what they're trying to do with CBD and all that. Once you can do that, then it's like, oh, you know, we found that this is actually, you know, beneficial, you know, but right now with it being so more into the, Free market and what did I say unregulated, you know. Then, which basically unregulation, you know, by saying something's unregulated means we don't have enough of our hands in the pot, as you know, as far as the government. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, right. right. That's unregulated all, you know, that's means yeah, unregulated means, you know, just yeah. like I mean, we're not how making. How do we make money off this? <laughs> exactly, and yeah, make the majority of the money off this. That's the thing. If you can make the most of it, <laughs> so. Well, yeah, most likely, yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. Well, most likely, if if some pharmaceutical company can create a synthetic analog or derivative of it, and then patent that, that's that that's possibly in the works right now, where someone's trying to make a drug version that's based on kratom. Yeah, man, there's some good researchers, you know, that like you know, uh, Dr. Christopher McCurdy is good, and um, the the other dude over at. Uh, Columbia, um, you know, they're they're trying to do something with it, but the problem is, you know, uh, as you guys know, our healthcare system is geared towards treatment, not cures, you know? Right. So, uh, hey, I cured the uh, opioid crisis. is going to take, like, you know, $100 billion out of some company's pocket. That's not something that, you know, that that company is going to stand by and watch and whether it's through lobbying, has, I mean, if you look at Arizona, right? Has a lobbyist, you know, that, that, that company has a lobbyist, you know, speaking for his interest and definitely making sure that's not going to happen. Whereas the, the guy that came up with that, he doesn't have anybody in Washington, you know, putting in time and walking and talking for him. You know, in no, the there's pocket, no lobbyist the right for, you know, Andrew Krugel, right, from Columbia. And I think at this point you could just, can you just cash out? Can you just pay the president directly? You can, right? Is that where we're at? Maybe you don't even need a lobbyist. Maybe you just go in and pay. Maybe uh, I don't know. Um, just gonna reality start to speak for you. That's what you have to do because they speak his language. Send Kim Kardashian to go speak for you. <laughs> and it'll make yeah, a lot yeah, more. man. <laughs> she got some pardons, right? She got some people pardoned. Yeah, yeah she got a pardon. Yeah, it's funny because everybody's like, 
Well, man, he's done what other politicians can do. Yeah, I mean, she did what other politicians can do. Yeah, because she speaks his language. <laughs> okay, it's like yeah. you got a reality star talking to a reality star. They understand each other. You politicians use all this political talk, and she's like, "Hey, bro, I'm not here for that. <laughs> I'm just trying to ride yeah. out these eight years." <laughs> and I'm not trying to get into all this talk that you, you're coming at me with, man. I'm against all this yeah. stuff. That's how I got here. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely like a soundbite guy. He's like a – but you know what? It's – I mean, it's it's frustrating on a lot of levels because this stuff, you know, like I have – you know, I have no – whatever they say, no dog in the fight. Like I don't right. – I, I don't make right. money off of it, you know. Yeah. But No, but it helps people. Right. You know? Why wouldn't you be for that? Helps people, doesn't hurt people. That's. Was there any? Is there anything you've come across? What are the? What are the? Have you? Have you come across any potential negatives in your research? Any potential what? Negatives of using kratom. Have you come across anything? Yeah, the red flag. Anything in the research that looks bad? Well, it is. So, so define our terms. It is an opioid, meaning it acts on opioid receptors, right? It's not an opiate, which is derived from opium, right? So it's it acts mm-hmm. on the opioid receptors, but as we know, so does chocolate, so does black cohosh, so do a bunch of things. Um, so it is an opioid. And obviously, if something makes you feel good, you're going to want to keep doing it. So there is, you know, there is addiction potential, but when you stop, it's not, it's not, you know, you're swish, you know, shaking and sweating and scratching and you're in bed for a week and you have the flu. It's not that at all, you know. So it's, uh, while people can get addicted, the withdrawal is very mild. It's not the way you would see it with, you know, standard opioids. Or are you even alcohol, someone who's addicted to alcohol, when you try to quit, you go through a detox period as well. You get the DTC. Yeah, DTC. it's horrible. Yeah. Right. There was, yeah, I mean, look, you know, people, it's very mild, but obviously, you know, again, something feels good, you're going to want to keep doing it. So sure. there's addiction potential there, but you know, get addicted to going to the gym or whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, these words are stigmatized in a very odd way that it shuts down conversation, right? Opioid addiction. It's like, oh, this has to be bad. No, hear me out, you know? Like, you can't shut down the dialogue as soon as certain words come into play. So, right. yeah, you, you know, I've seen the research, right. um, you know, people, you know, people could get addicted and, you know, your tolerance is going to obviously play a role in that. People have to sometimes use more if they're trying to feel it. Um, but, you know, I can't really think of any serious, really negative effects. Um, so nothing on yeah. blood pressure, lipids, just basic health profiles, panels? No, but so there was a study that showed some problems, some acute problems with uh, testosterone, but it's the same as kind of as marijuana, like it levels off, like it's, it's probably, it I mean, yeah. yeah, well, the weird thing about like marijuana is that it, it does, you know, it can lower testosterone, but it seems like chronic users um it it just eventually evens out like they're they get back to normal yeah that's what jerry brand um, like, said if I, when he came on yeah like if i if i whatever smoked a joint like it might lower my testosterone for a few days or whatever because i don't smoke but 
you know, ultimately, if I kept doing it, I'd be, you know, I'd normal out. Yeah, that's why it's important to do it every day. Don't don't do it infrequently. Yeah. You have to do it every yeah, yeah. night to get the. You know, if you want to avoid negatives, just, you have to do it often. <laughs> just one yeah, of those man, things you're you gonna be, you know. <laughs> hey, you're gonna be a bear, be a grizzly, you know. Don't don't mess around. <laughs> no, it's you know like anything, right? Like anything, it's gonna be. Um, you know, it's gonna be uh, something you're going to want to keep doing if that's how you're inclined. But as far as safety right. goes, like Chris gave some to his mom, Chris Bell. Uh-huh. Uh, I've given some to my mom. So, you know, that's that's a pretty heavy stamp of approval in terms of safety. Uh, yeah. If you're going to give it to your mom, you know. <laughs> um, just, I mean, just on a, on a right, uh, intuitive <laughs> level. If I tell you this is safe I... enough, I would give my mom. He gave his mom. You kind of go, yeah. all right, these guys obviously think it's safe. Yeah. So. And it's been around, it's been around for a long time. Has it always been used for this purpose, pain relief? Or is there, is there are there other historical Yeah, uses? well, it's kind of, you know, it's an, it's, you know, indigenous uh herbs. So I mean, the local people have been using it for you know, for as long as they figured out it tastes terrible, but you can make a pretty good tea out of it, you know. Um, and we're talking hundreds of years. So right. it's definitely, it's not the kind of thing that, you know, the F, uh, FDA, I think, came out and said, oh, there have been 42 deaths attributed to Kratom in the last few years. Like, that's wildly untrue. Like, I mean, if it, you got to just think, right, if it's been used for hundreds of years, there would be, deaths every year going all the way back right but that's not the right. case and so they're like oh well you know we found uh this one guy and he killed himself after he took kratom that's that's a kratom related death like yeah, yeah. i guess but that's but what else what else, what else, else is going what else yeah. is going exactly. on what you know, and, you know how many right, well, you know I how mean, many antidepressants was he on that you've approved fda you know of course well, they're not this, gonna this guy was actually on up. four i think if you if you, if you get a chance to check out the movie, well, it reminds right, me no, of that one think... baseball. Remember, remember during the whole ephedrine ban, yeah. and there was this one baseball mm -hmm. player, and they said he took too much ephedrine Florida. and he died. And when they did an autopsy, they determined he was severely dehydrated, and he was taking a lot of other things too. It wasn't just ephedrine. Right. Well, that and yeah, and that's that's the problem, right? Like, I mean, we so we go over the one case, the Ian Montner case. Um, in the in the movie, um, and so and I guess this is a good this is a good format to let you guys into some some journalism stuff. Uh, it's kind of the the worst part of any job that I have is to go over like an autopsy. Um, not not the autopsy itself because that's just nothing. That's just you know very kind of sterile, but you kind of, you know, you dig into the person's background and now it's easy. You're looking at their Facebook and, you know, you're looking at their, you know, you're going through their friends list and, you know, you're looking at their mom's Facebook. And as you're kind of going through the years, you know, trying to see what was going on in this kid's life that, you know, he killed himself or looking for some kind of clues or was he with a bad crowd, you know, as you're 
scrolling down, you know, it starts to, at least looking through his mom's, you know, it starts getting a bit darker as you get closer to the, you know, to the day he killed himself. So it's kind of like you get this anxiety, you know, as you're nearing the date that you know this person's, like, life is shattered. You know, you have this timeline. Yeah. Yeah, it sucks, man. It's it's a terrible part of the job and and you know, journalists and researchers, you know, they go through it and it's, you know, it's not fun. You know, cuz you're you're kind of backtracking the wrong way through the healing process, you know. Mm-hmm. If you have any empathy, you know, it it'll, it'll stay with you. You know, but again, Kratom helps people and this woman wants to say her son died because of Kratom. I kind of owe it to the people it's helping to go through that timeline and to find out everything I can to, you know, to debunk that claim, you know, in in the spirit of helping people that it will help. Right. Um, that was the lady in the know, movie. Kinda, You're referring to the lady in the movie, the lady in the movie, her son. Uh, Linda Mautner. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, and you he know, was taking a are, lot of other stuff. My my understanding, my recollection is that he was suffering from depression and taking a variety of other things. Yeah, he was uh, he was taking at least two antidepressants, and then I want to say uh, gabapentin uh, as well. Mm. I mean, he was taking a lot of stuff, and he was heavily medicated. You know, yeah, and you can't as much as you don't want to creep through someone's life and like. You know, there are people that maybe didn't jump off a bridge because of Kratom. And at this point, I'd like to help them stay on the bridge. So you have to suck it up and kind of go through these, you know, traumatic sort of relivings of this person's worst day, you know? Yeah. So that's, that's, so when you watch the movie, that's part of what goes into it. It's Mm -hmm. not like, it's not all, you know, fun and games. It's some of it's really uh mentally fatiguing, you know? I mean that stuff's not a lot of fun. But again, you know, you you gotta put your head on that pillow at night, you know? And whether it's leaving a stone unturned in that uh kid's uh suicide or letting Fabricant off the hook with years of, you know, allegations following him around, you know, you got to find some way to to reconcile all of that and put it put it out there, put it behind you, you know. Yeah, coming back to Fabricant, you went down this rabbit hole and then you just started finding out quite a bit of nastiness on his behavior. Yeah. I mean, what what are you, what are you ultimately hoping will happen? with exposing all of this? Well, you know, it's one of those things. I don't, I don't wish, you know, ill will on anyone. I've watched, I've kept up with what he's doing and I've watched, you know, I've watched his interviews since then. And, and, you know, it's in terms of Kratom, it's hard to really disagree with his position and, and conclusively say, oh, well, I'm on firmer footing than him, you know, because it doesn't have the, the, you know, the necessary um, documentation. So 
on that level, there's that, right? Where I definitely think there could be two points of view and, you know, but I, with regards to the other stuff that he's done, it's, it's unacceptable. I don't know anyone who would think that having this legacy of being at multiple employers and having multiple employees, you know, accuse you of all these things and just getting away with it. And to me, I can't do anything, right? I can't um, do anything more than let everyone know this dude is getting away with this stuff. Um, so that's kind of where it ends with me, you know, like, what do I want to happen? Uh, I kind of, for me, you know, I, I scored the touchdown. Like, um, if someone wants to kick an extra point and do something, that'd be great, but I, I can't do anything past where I've gone, you know? Um, I guess I made it known within the industry that this is who you're dealing with, but past that, you know. I think the timing of it, because there's so much of this kind of stuff coming out about a variety of people in multiple industries, that I wonder if something like this is just going to get lost in the shuffle because of so many famous people. I mean, Morgan Freeman's being called out now for this Me Too type behavior, Sylvester Stallone, second time in the last several months, has had allegations against him. So I wonder where someone such as Fabricant, they may, that may just be a byline one day and people will move on to the next story. Well, last I checked, if and I don't know this to be uh, true still, but if last I checked, if you uh, if you Google his name, it's like within the first three to five hits. Okay. Um. So, you know, there's that. I mean, people are going to know the next time a journalist, you know, says, "Oh, I'll talk to this guy," they might say, mm, "You know, I don't, I don't know what'll happen." Like I couldn't even speculate, but, um. I can tell you that nobody in the industry picked up the story and ran with it. Like, right. So for all right. the people that report about what happens in the industry, uh, none of them thought that these years' worth of allegations against the most powerful lobbyist in the industry, none of them thought that was important enough to, to write about. Not a single article. Now, you're, you're talking about fitness, fitness journalists or just journalists in general? Well, fitness journalists more because, you know, I mean, I don't know if he's necessarily famous outside the industry or important outside the industry. I don't know why he right. was on the Second Amendment Coalition, by the way. I don't, I don't know what, what where the carryover is the, there. Why are most of these appointees in the departments that they're, they're hitting in the first place? He's just a, none of it makes sense. Like, okay, why this dude? <laughs> Come on. Yeah, like he doesn't. He doesn't he's not like a big. Yeah, yeah. Housing department. Like he's not. He's not he's a brain out doctor. there talking about guns. <laughs> you know, um, he's just not a guy that I ever see doing those things. So it, it's sort of curious. I mean, I don't. Know, maybe he's privately a huge Second Amendment supporter. Um, I, I guess. But, he's not he's not um, a mouthpiece for that, so it, yeah, it doesn't really make any sense that Yeah. Like when you said that I was like, Okay, I've never heard this dude in that circle at all <laughs> whatsoever. No, like okay, but here's the thing, right? This is something like so for me, right, I I'm a Second Amendment supporter, right? It's not my like my field and there's really I you know, I wouldn't talk about it, but 
obviously, I recognize this is an important right that we have, right? For a lot of mm-hmm. reasons. You know, the right. details of it, you know, that's that's to be hashed out by better men than me because I don't have the knowledge, but I'm a Second Amendment supporter. Why why wasn't I on the committee, you know? Like, <laughs> I mean... Hell, man, I mean, that's it's just, pretty much my profession now. Why am I not on the committee? I think I'm, <laughs> you know, I think you'd actually want someone like me because, hey, I'm representing cross, not just Second Amendment supporters, but also the black community, too. You want to touch that community, don't you? But who's this guy? <laughs> it's like, well, we want to get the strong guys, too. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I don't understand. Yeah, I don't. I mean, well, I mean, I mean who, a, who, who, who is a, who's this coalition that no one's heard of anyway, right? I mean, it's probably the Second Amendment Foundation he's calling in or something. Like, right. come on, dude. It's like. It's probably it's just like a fictitious thing. Why not call one of their guys? <laughs> I think I think Jesse James was on it. The you know the the motorcycle yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah, he's out here. In, and well, I, like, I don't big, watch I mean, that show, so I don't big, know. He's a big, well, that's a big guy. guy. He's, he's out here in Austin. You know, he's he. I mean, you go on his Instagram, you'll see that. You know, you'll probably see probably more firearms at this point than motorcycles. You know, with him, but okay, that would actually make more sense than this. Yeah, guy. Man, well, yeah, it makes sense then. Um. <laughs> Yeah, some of the people were just like ex-politicians and then just a bunch of randomness. Like people, I mean, at least have said something in public in support. You know what I mean? Like, what, right. like some bare minimum of of say something. Like, because it's just a lot of them were out of the blue. Like, you look up the person's name and you don't even know. No. But, yeah, I mean... Yeah, it's one of those things, I guess, you know. Um, I guess lobbying, you know, he's a D.C. guy. He was... Uh, Might be a scratch my a back, scratch your uh, back. Might be just some kind of scratch my back, scratch your back type situation. Because you help he us out. A lot of, exactly. Like, he's, he's connected with something else where they can actually, you know, pull a favor right. later on. It's like, hey, let me put you on this right. committee. So at least, at least you're in the circle, the inner circle. Yeah, it doesn't have anything really to do with you, but hey, man, he's just... Just say, hey, well, just he say writes, one thing for you. Me. Know, articles tell me, tell me you like, guns. we look forward. Guns. You're in. <laughs> no, nah, he, he writes articles like the MPA looks forward to working with President-elect Trump and all that. Like, he's, I don't know, he's a supporter, I get, which I find, um, I find it odd for, a, you know, for a lobbying group to, like, make any sort of partisan statements or whatever, um, just because they might have to work with whoever next time, you know what I mean? Um, well, or just they, they, they do work like. with both of them. They work both sides of the aisle, dude. It's like you know, they get those. They make sure they give those contributions to both candidates. Just like if you start speaking, you know, if you have a little bit more of our interest in mind, your check is going to be a little bigger than the other guy. But you're going to cover your ass yeah. in both ways. I mean, Trump did it. Trump did it. He he contributed to both parties. <laughs> you know, they contributed to himself through his nonprofit. I mean, you know, <laughs> he's yeah, you got to cover. He's man. a big gotta, supporter of himself. <laughs> well, he, he thinks very highly of himself. That's for sure. No, I mean, you, know, you don't. Who uh, will? Yeah, come on. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. Yeah. Well, you know, in his case, no one. So he has to think highly um, of himself. You know? <laughs> you know, I think it's kind of. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna preface this and, and say like, the things Harvey Weinstein did are in another class of evilness than I've ever heard in this type of a thing, like in, mm-hmm. with regards to abusing your power, um, you know, and sort of all the things he did, they're in a, they're in another level of just absolutely monstrous behavior. Right. But the way he was the, like 
arguably one of the most powerful or the most powerful guys in that domain. To the extent that, you know, people are powerful in the supplement industry, I would say that's, that is where Fabricant is. I mean, I think the media, the fitness and, you know, nutritional media haven't picked up the story because they work extensively with the Natural Products Association. And, I mean, he's giving webinars for the major outlets in the industry. And, you know, um, you see him writing articles for them. So uh, I really think they know about it. And they just said, we can't do this because it's we can't, you know, give this story more legs or cover it because it's not politically expedient to us. So we're going to pretend we don't know about it. Right. Well, people did that with people did that with Harvey Weinstein for a long time. I mean, all of these things are anyone in the know knew about this kind of behavior a long time ago. This track record, but I think a lot of people bit their tongue because they're going, "Well, I don't want to miss out on an opportunity for one of his movies down the line. Let me just turn the other way." You know, they didn't want to get blackballed or whatever else. You know, and right, quite a few people did. And he was blackballing people though, and he did have the ability. Yeah, I mean, after the 90s, like where they go now with all this stuff coming out, like ah, that's where the hell you've been. (laughs) You made sure. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, you know, no, that's exactly right. I mean, I think you know you can shut people down, and you know if the MPA has fifteen hundred members and you're trying to make your bones in the dietary supplement industry. That's not the enemy you want, you know? Right. And right. if you're right. a writer at any of these outlets and he's giving speeches for you and he's the keynote speaker uh, at your, you know, supply show and your trade show, you know, you you really, I don't want to say it's not something you can do, but it's probably something that there's no option for. I'm not yeah. saying the journalists are bad, but... Somewhere there's a decision being made to not do it. I'll tell you that for a fact. Right. This wasn't a we didn't know. This is a we made a decision to stand with him, not against him. And I'll be honest, I see this black and white. I don't see that if you know this is going on, you can abstain from from a decision. Like, this is something you're for or against, and the middle ground is just non-existent. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not... You know, that's not something I feel about everything, but in this case, when you see these kinds of things, I don't think there's a uh, an option to to stay silent if you don't have to. Yeah. You know? Yeah. People don't. People tend to cherry pick with this kind of stuff as well. I mean, just with Hollywood, Woody Harrelson basically married his daughter. I mean, not biological daughter. <laughs> but nonetheless, he was a father figure for her, and then at some point became her husband. Imagine if anyone yeah, else did that. Imagine oh, if no, one of your not, neighbors not did that. that. No, not, not Woody Harrelson. Um, um, not Woody Harrelson. Sorry, Woody. Woody Allen. Woody Allen. Woody Allen. Woody Allen. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah, Woody Harrelson's a great guy. So I don't want to put him down in that category. <laughs> no, no, Woody, Woody Allen right. is a great guy. Yeah. When you said it, though, I, I completely it didn't even occur to me that it, yeah it wasn't because so uh, much of this is happening. Yeah, so much of this is happening. I just sit there like, wait a minute, was, was he in the news too? Like, no, he's just good <laughs> so far. No. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, yeah exactly. By the time this episode comes out, who knows? <laughs> who knows? <laughs> yeah, man, it's depressing because you know you like this. Big Woody Allen and then what, what was the other guy? The the guy that 
raped a 12-year-old, this one director that's basically... Yeah, Roman Polanski. Yeah, Roman Polanski. Oh, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. He won an Academy Award even after that came out. He couldn't come accepted. <laughs> right. He wouldn't leave the right. film, wouldn't be able to leave America. But people get people still talk about how brilliant he is and what a great movie The Piano was. So this is what I mean is, when it's convenient, it's easy to demonize someone. Go, oh, I didn't like that yeah. person anyways. Like, oh, I always knew something was up with that person. But let's say you've been a Woody Allen fan your whole time. You love all of his movies. And then you have to, and then the realities of someone like him comes out and you have to make a decision, which for me is an yeah, easy I decision. See, I mean, I, I, I see with these women all the time who sit there and say about Bill Cosby, but um, these are the same women that still listen to R. Kelly. And you, you don't know what happened with Bill right. Cosby and these women. 40, 50 years ago, but you saw that videotape of R. Kelly pissing on a 13-year-old girl, okay? Yeah. And yet you still right. go to his concert. You know, so don't, don't, so miss me with yeah, that moral high ground. That's mind-blowing to me. The R. Kelly thing is absolutely mind-blowing to me. Um, you know, well, and there's just obviously... Now. He, he's just now. Thanks to Harvey Weinstein and all the stuff that's going on. Now you got Spotify, who finally pulled R. Kelly's music. Just like a couple of months ago, finally took his entire catalog off of Spotify with these latest allegations from, you know, another victim. <laughs> I'm like, really? It took you guys, what, almost 20 years to actually start believing this stuff now when you had video proof? Video proof, ago? yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, look, you know, everything like, you know, with Spotify's decision, I mean, I kind of look at it like there's, there's, uh, there's people that are, that are, doing bad stuff, right? Whatever the bad thing is. And eventually so many are doing it and it's so unacceptable that there's like that tipping point, right? With the Ronan Farrow article, right? It just tipped. Right. And then it Right, right, right. And then all these people coming forward, if you don't think those people coming forward helped this article get written and published, you know, you'd be wrong cuz when you add your voice to the chorus, you know, it's just it's that much easier, you know, but to be the first to go to to go against Weinstein, that's that's tough and, and that's a decision that a lot of people didn't, you know, make. They said, All right, I'm not gonna be the first um but then that first person who has the courage to do it, uh, they really opened the door and, and then you just saw like dude, every day I was like, Come on, man, Kevin Spacey? I love the <laughs> usual suspects. Like it's just like yeah. every day I was like, Come on. I yeah. like this guy, you know, and started Charlie never, Rose. I, I was a big fan of his before all this. It's, it's started getting. I was just, I was just praying that Larry King wouldn't fall into this category before he happened. <laughs> because <laughs> anybody, <laughs> but Larry's. I mean, here's this guy like pretty much this old school playboy for the most part. He's like you're just kind of waiting yeah. from some chick. Like yeah, well, Larry, years ago, Larry, like, Larry's been married seven times. Right? He just married. Yeah, he's like harassed him. Yeah. Why harass him when I can marry him? <laughs> it's dude. It's, it's tough like you. when you see married. someone. You know, like it's even the people got heated. I put up a thing with Roseanne. Like I just put up because, like the Cosby Show, you could still they pulled Roseanne, but I could still see the Cosby Show. Like it's still on whatever network. Well, that's like, what I didn't like about this whole Roseanne. This whole Roseanne no, debate no, where was going. This show should be banned and so forth. And no, but actually, when when Cosby got convicted, you know, they they took you know even prior to that, they already started taking it off. You know, they already started taking it. Yeah. But what kills me is like, but then you got the father. What's his name on um, CW? Um, God, the one that was like, 
he was molesting children or whatever else. I forget his name now. Um, but I mean, this dude's pretty popular. He was on, I think, the show with um, Jessica Biel back in Seventh Heaven. Oh, well, yeah, was guy. it Seventh Heaven? Oh, yeah, okay, that show. But yeah. nobody pulled that. Nobody pulled that. And then you got the crazy chick, you know, recently, you know, with the child, with the cult, you know, and everything. Yeah, else. nobody pulled that TV show either. Yeah. So yeah. they 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 pick and choose, man. They really pick and choose. That's yeah. Right. You know you what? Know. That's oh, that's, that's right. my problem with it, right? Is like there has to be, you know, some kind of consistency, right? Like. I mean, first of all, I have, uh, you know, there's, there's a, I can't think of another show that, that had a, like, whatever, cross-dressing, prepubescent male as a positive role model. Like, I think that taking the show off the air, I think, is a disservice in a lot of ways, but I understand why I it has done. I don't, I don't think they should take shows off the air. I think you just let the people well, decide on that. Since then, this whole thing with Roseanne, I go, okay, I didn't like what she said either, and I'm not a fan of hers, nor am I a fan of her show. I've never even seen an episode. But I don't think it should be taken off the air just because of that. Let the people decide whether this show is acceptable or not. And, you know, to me, like, it, uh, I mean, I think there should just be, like, dude, if you, if you kill someone, right, you murder someone in cold blood, right, you, you're either probably prison for life or you're the death penalty, depending on what state. But it's not right. like you get six months of probation. I don't understand why everybody gets the death penalty with, with saying the wrong thing once or whatever, you know? I think there needs to be, like, Harvey Weinstein is not the same as Roseanne. They're just no. not the same. Exactly. I mean, do we, do, we have freedom, do we have freedom of speech or not? You know, that's really what it comes down to. Is that I don't like yeah. this politically correct culture. Yeah. yeah, it's just like, you know... Right, well, that's, you that's know. the thing, like, you know, you, t- you so her career is over and his career is over, but what they did is in no way comparable. No. You know, like, there has to be some area where where you can, where there's, you know, graded punishments, like maybe, and, you know, I'm not <laughs> well, saying this me. for her specifically, but maybe she's off the show for a, a season or something. Well, nobody wants to nobody wants to be outraged alone. So it's just like, so here's the, here's a simple solution. If you don't like what she says, yeah. you don't watch her show. But that's just not us. Like, I don't want to be the only one. Yeah. I want you to stop watching it too. Because yeah, exactly. if you're my friend, that's yeah. you, or even people you don't even know, if you're on, you're my Twitter follower, you should stop watching this show. Do you even know this follower? Why why do you care what they do? You know, so it's just, nobody yeah, wants. I'm not going to watch the show, but I don't want you to watch it either. Alone. Right. Yeah, that's what it comes to back to. Existence alone, man. They have to. I'm let so the world mad that you can't We're watch this show. <laughs> yeah. No, I think I think that, um, that that's a that's a dangerous path though. It's a dangerous path well, when yeah, it's a mob mentality. Few people are deciding what everyone else can do. No, it doesn't. Because no, I don't like this music. I don't like this music. So no one should listen to it. It's a slippery slope. It's a slippery slope, and you've already set the precedent that it's acceptable. So therefore, in the future, when it happens to you, don't get pissed off. Like, how could you do this? You know, this is a. What about my my free speech? What about my First Amendment right? No, you gave that up, remember? Because you thought you said this was cool when it worked in your favor. What it wasn't yeah, about. Yeah, that's the thing. You just said this is how it should be. Yeah. Well, like I always go back to uh, South Park with Chef. They, yeah, they make exactly. fun of Christianity, they make fun of Jews, they make fun of you know Muslims, yeah. but then Scientology, he was like, I quit. Oh, that's off limits. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, that that's that's not that's not a tenable position for me. Like, you know, it's gotta right. be it's all gotta be okay or none of it's okay. But when it happens to you and you quit, that's not cool. Right. 
You know, I mean, okay, was anyone physically it, it harmed by that. this? You know, <laughs> you know. So that that's that should be the standard. Like, who's being? I'll, okay, f your feelings, man. But were you physically harmed? Did this like this put a person in danger? Did this put a child in danger? Did this endanger you know uh, an elderly person? It was like, what was in danger? My feelings. Okay, I'm offended. Mm. You got to come up with something better than that, man. You need to. Yeah, that's that's better not case. a that's not a good metric. But imagine you're one of the like hundred crew members. You're like, oh, I don't have a job anymore because right. she right. made a stupid tweet. <laughs> right. I mean, I remember when uh, what was it? Tracy Morgan had to apologize because he said something. Yeah. Um, was it homophobic? Like, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Do we want comedians apologizing? I'm like, for, um, it's a com- but it's a comedian, and you know what yeah. you're signing up for when you to a comedian. That's what they do. So uh, my my thing well, is, people need to listen up a little bit too. Funny, then you know, right? That's how you decide. That's, <laughs> that's the how problem. Exactly. You can say whatever you want as long as it's funny as a comedian. Now I remember, I remember years ago I put up a Charles Poliquin had this book he did a long time ago, a fat burning book, the German fat burning book, something like that, right? It was basically okay. an intense circuit training type routine. You probably remember what I'm talking about, Anthony. I yes, forget the exact name of it. But anyway, the, the front cover was very homoerotic, for lack of a better metaphor. It was basically, if anyone who sees it knows what I'm talking about. So I made a joke about it. I go, hey, uh, the great book. I'm not sure if if these photos help him get the target audience he wanted, but that's okay. I said something to that effect, right? Right. And people came on and they go, oh, I didn't realize you were such a homophobe, Mike. I was, I was like, oh, God, no one can even make a joke anymore. I didn't say anything derogatory about gay people. I was just making a joke about the book. And if you read the book, there's pictures of guys basically lying back naked with a towel over their junk. It didn't make sense that those kind of photos are in this book, you know, given who his target audience is. So I'm making a joke about it, right? Not saying anything bad about gay people or anything like that. But but so many people got offended over nothing, just looking to get offended. Yeah, and I don't, I don't honestly, I don't, like, just as an example, like, I, I don't want one of your listeners making a decision for me of what's offensive, you know, like, right. Exactly. uh, Or anyone like, that's not like, like your business is not to tell me what should offend me. Like, I don't want anyone in that business except for me. That is a sole proprietorship business. Just me. (laughs) This offends me. I'm the one who's going to know, you know, and I don't need any partners or or an executive board. Shareholders. Just me. (laughs) If it offends me, I'm well aware of it. And it's like Yeah, I mean meanwhile, real acts of cruelty are happening in factory farms, in human trafficking, real problems, and people aren't offended by that. No. People, no, people, or, support, or, but, people that are offended by what we just talked about, a lot of them support that kind of stuff with their dollars. I mean you now, know I find that offensive. I mean, and look, but I I'm not gonna go around throwing up. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead, and sorry. I could be offended at a bunch of things at once, right? I can be like I don't sure. like locking kids up or whatever and i don't like this other thing and but where i'm going to invest my time right especially through my work is not going to be policing unfunny tweets you know what i mean um (laughs) where like where i'm going to invest my time is actually human trafficking i have a a, something will be coming out in march on human trafficking by me um oh really okay yeah yeah it's funny you brought that up that wasn't a setup at all by the way that was no, because that we've had amazing. we've had a we've had a we've had a guest who may be a really interesting guy for you to talk to. Ty Ritter, he runs Project Child Safe, and he yeah, and a team. You have, you have to put him in touch because I'm I'm, oh, I'm way over team. my head with this because I don't know really. Yeah. Oh, he'd be a great resource you know, for you. Yeah, it's just not something I've ever gotten into, but it 
You know, it's um, it's not like taken. You know, it's not that. It's like human trafficking. Like for anyone who doesn't know that what the definition really is, it's it's that someone else is trafficking you. Like so, a pimp. Right. For I don't know what the real word, what the acceptable word is, but a pimp. Um, well, I mean, yeah, you, you know, know people, bring in, people coming in illegally, or that's human trafficking as well. If someone has, yeah, 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 and all yeah, that. Yeah, when someone is turning a profit on another it's, human. Yeah, it's it's right, unwilling right. exploitation for for the sake of making a profit. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so whether, it's, I mean, whether it's whether whether selling somebody as a worker, you know, to go work for you as a maid or crop, you know, yes, go out and, and right. dig in mines in Africa or Syria or whatever else, you know, or right. for 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 sex, you know, or all of the above. You know, right. so that's, that's yeah, yeah. human trap. You know, it's, yeah. Everyone kind of thinks like drugs, it's this one much. thing, but it's really not. It's like it's a lot of things, and yeah, you is. know, I'm lucky to have, uh, you know, I'm doing this through Muckrock. I'm lucky to have an outlet where I can, you know, where I can investigate it and, and research it, and uh, you know, obviously it's a long term project. Um, but yeah, like you know. As far as it like a tweet, like I'm I'm trying to like you know expose human trafficking. Like I, yeah, it was a terrible tweet, you know. But that's I'm not going to hashtag anything or, or or go anywhere with it. It's just you know and I can be offended at it, but it doesn't mean I want like the hundred people that work on our show to get fired. I mean that's that's brutal. I mean right. Imagine if everywhere worked like that. You show up to McDonald's one day and they're like, "Sorry, your boss made a an, an off-color tweet. You have no job." Like <laughs> it doesn't work. It's not a way we right. can run things. It's not right. You know, it can't be a, a categorical imperative, right? Where right. just anyone who tweets, everyone that works for them, they lose their job. That's right. not. You can. You could. They could have yeah, marginalized her in some way. For example, that show that Kevin Spacey was on, House of Cards. Yeah, of course. Yeah, they originally yeah, yeah, canceled yeah. the show, and then they decided, well, we'll we'll move forward without Christopher him. Christopher Plummer, yeah. right? What was That's the, the uh, What was the other one? Um, it was just, it was uh, who else? Did, oh, Je- uh, I forget the guy's name. Transparent, the show Transparent. Oh uh, yeah, uh, Jeffrey. Um, I'm not familiar. Oh, yeah, it's on uh, it's on Amazon Prime. Um, yeah, yeah so they, they they took him out, and he was like the main kind of character. Oh, wow. as far him as too? I thought. Really? Yeah, as far as I know, he's gone too. Um, and yeah, he, Jeffrey you know, Temple. Again, yeah, Jeffrey Temple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, though, he wasn't like a Weinstein. He wasn't like physically attacking people. And now it's like, is this dude even, you know, is he even hireable now? I mean, right. they had an Arrested Development, right. uh, you know, the TV show. They had a... I guess like an interview, group interview, and no one stood up for him, but they basically said, you know, uh, like I was there for him or whatever they said, right? Not like what he did was right. And they got crushed, like they got absolutely crushed by, you know, Twitter and, you know, how could you not immediately support the public crucifixion of this guy? Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's called uh, it's called, in the Constitution. It's like um, uh, yeah, you got you got you got some amendment rights right there. You know, you know, innocent until proven guilty. <laughs> you, have you yeah, ever heard that? Yeah, <laughs> you can't, yeah, you can't just no, rush due the process is out the door. Um, yeah, that's yeah, the thing, right? We were either for guilty. 
Well, we're either for due process or we're against it, right? It's either funny when you make fun of Muslims and Scientologists, or it's not funny when you make fun of either. You know what I mean? Um, right. Right. And this guy, well, what was interesting was one of the guys afterwards, because they all had to go and make public apologies for, you know, whatever it was they said. And I'm not totally familiar with the situation, but I remember one dude, um, he said, listen, like, I'm a smart guy. If I say something that's not acceptable, societally just not acceptable, I'm smart. Sit me down and tell me why what I said was wrong and explain it to me. Don't just crush me on Twitter and then I can never work again. And I think that might be a sensible approach to a lot of things. Right. Um, you know, explain to me why was I wrong? Like, I, I'm... I don't like being wrong, but I'm more than happy to admit it. And, you know, I mean, these people just got crushed. And the one guy, it was the most sensible thing I heard. Like, you know, he tried to be supportive of a coworker. It came off badly. Explain to me, are we, is due process out the door? Are we now, it's just whenever someone makes an accusation, it's taken as fact? Or is there going to be some leveling off? Um I don't think any of these people are liars. Like, I don't think someone that says something is a liar, I think maybe there's two sides to the story. Um, right. You know, and, and I think maybe you don't fire someone and declare them untouchable for the rest of their lives <laughs> for everything. Uh, but, you know, it's just, it's where we are. And, like, you guys absolutely nail on the head a million times like it's a slippery slope and it's dangerous yeah. well it just starts becoming this witch, hunt, this witch hunt society where now people are looking for it they go oh you said that got you yeah yeah that, and that, now, way, yeah, that like, one statement defines who you are period it goes oh, that one statement means this is what you believe in all these other categories too you're automatically pigeonholed into a a category that just adds on. It just adds on to the whole. It just adds on to the whole breakdown of apparently what this country is supposed to be about. You know, just everything. All of that is like somebody. If it got to go a certain route, it's like all this stuff is like you know, it becomes the most unpatriotic thing to do because what you start doing, you become like these. All these countries that you look at, and these people go, "Oh my God, how could those people live that way? Those savages." You know, you know that that's not how democracy works or public works, but. But you're starting to be that way now, where you're censoring everything people say. You can't say right. anything foul, you know, you know, negative toward your leaders, you know, or you got to you got to all vote and think one specific way only. And if you do otherwise, then you're going to either be physically persecuted, you're going to get your reputation persecuted. Somehow you're going to be destroyed, and your livelihood is going to be destroyed because you didn't think one way, one specific way. It's like there's no there's no room for a plethora of ideas. You know, and, and backgrounds and thought processes. So, but like, imagine that, if someone scary, said man. to me, like, imagine if someone said, "Oh, you, you're going on Molly's show? Yeah, he's he's a homophobe." I'd be like, <laughs> "What in the world are you talking about?" Like, never, never has he expressed anything in that sort of ideology where I would even suspect that. What are you talking about? And they were like, "He said something about Poliquin's fat burning book." He, for some reason, he thinks oiled-up dudes in towels is homoerotic. 
Yeah, so so do I. Like, I don't. You know, and I'm not saying that's bad either. I'm just making a it's factual statement. I'm not no, saying that those people, the pictures are bad, or if someone likes those pictures, that they're bad. I'm not saying anything of that. I just thought it was funny that here's a book, given his reputation yeah. as a strength coach, that here's that these are the photos he chose to have in his book. Look, if I made a book on strength training and I had those photos in there. I would expect people <laughs> to be surprised, and At too. least you'd expect your friends, right? You'd expect <laughs> yeah, your friends right. at least to nice, be right, nice exactly. the book, Mike. I didn't we've realize that. that was your inclination. Like, yeah, and we've done that. I'm like, you know, there's, there was a picture of Mike, you know, with the shirt over. I cracked on him, but he cracked right back. But Mike never said, oh, sincere, you're homophobic. Right. Yeah, we're just having <laughs> you know, fun, You just have to take a picture of your shirt off in over 10 years. Yeah, why can't we just have jokes about stuff? It's funny. Like, guys, I mean... Guys just tend to rip on each other too, and none of it's mean spirited. We're just having fun. No, no. I, I mean, and you, I don't want to live in a society where no one can make fun of each other anymore because now you're going to be demonized in some way. It's going to be totally taken out of your mind. The reason why, athletic, the reason why we can do that, and the reason why we can, rip, you know, rip on each other and, and laugh about it and talk about it and keep moving is because we know who we are. So there's no, there's no reason yeah. for me to get offended. You know, there's no reason, Michael. Well, you haven't taken, you know, a picture, you know, with your shirt off and blah blah. I don't care because I don't want to. Because <laughs> hey, no, and if someone, pay for that. I mean, you were, I mean, I mean, you were a stripper for ten years since Sears. I mean, why? I can I, I understand why you don't want to take your shirt off anymore. Been there, done that, man. You know, <laughs> to an audience of one. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, man? It's. In every uh, sport the first in every sport that I've ever played, the first uh-huh. kind of thing insult that someone will reach for is something like that, right? It's right, it's, right. You know, high school kids, and I'm not saying it's not cool because obviously, it, you know, it's it can be taken very offensively by someone who right. legitimately is homosexual. But in the right. context that a high school kid calls another high school kid in wrestling practice where you're all sweaty and whatever, it's not meant to be the thing that gets people, like, fired. You know what I mean? Right. It's not your your ideology. It's not indicative of the way you view the world. It's, it's very much not that. And if right. you did view things that way, you wouldn't be in wrestling. Yeah. That would be the yeah. last sport you would yeah, join. Yeah, there's, there's so many there's so many jokes that happen in that world for obvious exactly. reasons. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. At the same yeah, time, yeah. I don't I don't want to at the same time I don't want to hurt someone's feelings. So if I said something exactly. where like, what is the context, really what is the context and they explained that to me. Yeah, and they explained that to me, I would be like, "Hey, I didn't want to come off that way." So I mean, no, you don't want to hurt anyone's yeah, feelings and like, you say it in a right. room and where you know no one's feelings are going to get hurt. Right. You know? And once you get to a once you matured and gotten older, then you realize, you know, you look back and you think about like in high school during the 90s and, you know, whatever for us. You know, oh, I don't yeah, even sure. know kids still do it now. But just think about how many times dudes like, oh, dude, that's gay. Oh, dude, that's gay. Yeah. You know, but now that we're older and hopefully more mature and, and a lot wiser, we realize, oh, that's not cool to say that. Just for the sake, because now that's like indicating now that you're old and you understand more that there's something wrong with that. Because usually we're saying it like, oh, man, I'm wearing this. Oh, man, that's gay. Like, well, now you look back, you know, and you're older, you think like, OK, that's not cool. I wouldn't say that now. You know, but you, your level of understanding back then may not be where it is now. Right. Hopefully you've matured. And there's no malice intended, right? That's not a cool like, thing to say. Right. And I don't think there was even no. I mean, like Harley Harley Flanagan of the Cro-Mags was on yeah. last episode. And he t- he went to yeah. he lived a rough life. He went to. 
high school briefly in a rough part of New York City. And he said that he was friends with all kinds of people from ethnic backgrounds and so forth. And they, they all ripped on each other using yeah. language that people would be horrified by now. But none of it was mean-spirited then. It was just the way people spoke right. to each other. It was a different time. So if someone calling someone the N-word, that person calls a white guy, I don't know, cracker, whatever it is. right? They all just ripped on each other with really derogatory language. But they were all friends, too. Yeah, well, I mean, this, so look at right the so you have your New York, right, your punk scene. Uh, English Nick, I don't know if you know, from, I want to say, YDL, from Youth Defense League. Uh-huh. Like, you know, he, he was in a he was a teenager, he was like 15 or 16, and it was, I guess what I'll say is a very uh, nationalistic kind of right-wingish band. Like, no right. ethnic slurs, right. you know, some songs that are... I guess you'd say they're harsh, but like it, it it wouldn't be something like it would be. I think what's going on right now is harsh, right? With with immigration, there's plenty of people that support whatever, putting kids in cages, or you know, you see people right. saying, "Well, they shouldn't have come here," or whatever. Whatever your position is, this is a, a legitimate political political position that people are debating. Well, so he was right. in a band, and obviously there's no debate going on. You're just singing whatever your perspective is. And he sang very nationalistic, right-wing songs. Now, that was like, I don't know, the, the 90s, right? In, in, in New York City, in the hardcore scene, he was in a right-wing band. Okay, fair enough. Dude, he got suspended from his job at Eater.com, like reviewing you know, sandwiches or whatever he does, he got suspended because he was in that band in the 90s when he was a teenager. Right. Dude, is there some statute of limitations? Yeah, there should be. Like, you you said something offensive as a teenager. Yeah, all of us have. All of us have said something offensive as teenagers. Imagine if we're being, imagine if I'm going to be judged now as a grown man for what I'm doing and go, oh, Mike, I, I knew Mike back in high school and one time he said this. It's like, oh, fuck him. I'm not buying his tea booster anymore. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this guy, you know, obviously, you know, sincere, sincere, when he went to Texas Southern University in 1991, actually went to go listen to Minister Farrakhan speak. Now, damn it, 30 years later, am I anti-Semite? Because I went to listen to him speak. (laughs) I was just like, yeah, I bought one of his books. Any of that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I have his books right now, still in my bookshelf. Torchlight for America. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, imagine being held accountable for like just something you did, like literally in the nineties, and people are like, this one thing. And granted, I bought a bean pie one time. Fifteen-year-old kid in a band. You know, I, I mean, granted, being in a band is a, like probably more of a commitment than just owning, you know, a book or whatever. But still, like, th- you're going to tell me that this guy can't like, review sandwiches or whatever he does, th- you know, review dumplings now that he's 40? Hey, man. Like, because you know why? You know why? He's not going to give a fair review to that black forest ham, man, because he's black. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's on a national ham. <laughs> People brought up, I think people brought up that he gave harsh reviews to a Chinese food place in, in you know, the comment section, like, oh, no surprise, this guy is... Maybe, uh, maybe the restaurant sucked. I've been to Chinese restaurants that sucked before. Exactly. It's, not because, it's not because I don't like Chinese people. That particular restaurant just sucked, <laughs> you know? I've been to vegan restaurants. I've been to vegan restaurants that suck, you know? 
Yeah, yeah I've been oh, to vegan I've, restaurants I've never, that are terrible. I've, yeah. I've been to one good uh, vegan restaurant, and the rest were pretty terrible. Um, but I've been to a lot of like in New York right City. What's yeah. that? No, I'm sorry. I mean, I, I know where you're going. I've been to. Yeah, I'm just saying that. If I give a negative review on a vegan restaurant, it's not because I don't like vegan food. It's because I don't like that yeah. restaurant. Yeah, they didn't make the food well. I mean, you know, right. this didn't, this didn't do a good job. Or my personal yeah. yeah, exactly. The service, the service could have been terrible. You know? Or it may not have been clean. Maybe the food was good, but it was dirty as hell in there. I'm sorry, I don't like eating a dirty restaurant. <laughs> I don't care how good your food you know, is. I have if to be I put honest, my hand the, down the, the table and it sticks. I got a problem with this place. I'm out. That's man. why. That's why it's always good to check out the bathroom at any restaurant you go to. If it's nasty, yeah, then man. walk right out the door. <laughs> yeah. You can't even keep that clean for your customers. What does that say? Yeah, I don't. I mean, it's pretty tough to run a bad restaurant in New York City because the rent is so high. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right. if you're a bad restaurant, you're going out of business. Like the right. New York City has a very low tolerance for for terrible restaurants and he as far as i know he reviews restaurants in new york city i mean if one of them doesn't meet his standards i'm sure it isn't that great he reviews food for a living you know right um, right whatever he sang and you know why deal was okay i think they had a couple like albums out or whatever um i don't agree with his politics but i wouldn't eat at that chinese food place you know um yeah. i think he's an expert at the thing he does it, it's just nuts that people, you know, people get away well, with that stuff. There, well, there are there are people that are very careful with the language they use. It's always politically correct, but many of those people are racist, sexist, you name it. They're just very cautious to avoid certain words because they want to be perceived sure. a certain way. So, so just because you fall in, just because you don't use certain language, doesn't mean that you're not racist. And just because someone does use certain language doesn't mean that they are racist. It's a little bit more complex than that. I mean, people are more complex, you know. It's it's yeah. that Nobody and, wants, you know again. Most don't want to admit that. You know, it, it has right. to be either or, black or white. It, you know, and that's it. There's no in between. <laughs> like, uh, have you seen but, the human brain? Like, nothing's that simple with this thing. We're still discovering how this damn thing works. You know, and here we are. We've been on this planet for millions of years. You know, and we still yeah. don't truly understand the human brain. So what makes you think that everything's just one way or the other? <laughs> Come on, man. No, we, uh, I mean, there's, there's too much cherry picking, too. I mean, I'm sure you've seen this clip sincere where Kendrick Lamar brings this white girl up on stage to sing yeah. one of his songs. Yep. And the song, the song has that. the N-bomb in it, and then she says it. And he's like, no, 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 you can't say that word. He's like, well. Yeah, don't bring her up for that well, song. Actually, exactly. No, don't bring her up for that, that video. song. Well, hold on. Here's the thing about that video. If you look at it, when she first says it, it's like he – He's seeing the lyrics with her. He's anticipating her saying it. You, you trust me. Like put it like this: If I'm playing a DMX song and my Caucasian friend is doing it word for word, and I know the chorus coming up. I'm like, hey, when that chorus gets here, don't do that. I'm not even gonna say the chorus. <laughs> so you damn sure not say the chorus. I'm giving you a fair warning. He was going right along with. He knew she was about to go there with, and he even when she said it. He really didn't flinch. But then when the crowd, you can kind of when he looked out in the crowd, you can see him look like, hey, hey you can't say that. So it was almost like a pressure, like, now you got to stop it because now they're looking at you crazy. You're, your black fan base is like, hey, you're going to let her get away with that? But these probably yeah, the same he, fans he who said right to their white friends who didn't care. Right. You know, at that moment. It was like, he could have told her that ahead of time. He could have told her that ahead of time before they started singing. It's like, look, we're about to sing this song. Like, hey, get now, to you know, this when part, the chorus comes up. Yeah. Know, exactly. You know when the chorus yeah. comes up, you know what you can't say, right? <laughs> it's like, come yeah. on. You know what, though? Like, that, to me, like, 20 years ago, 
you know, when DMX first came out, right, there wouldn't have even, if, if someone was singing, they would have just sang it, and there wouldn't have been, right, no one would have looked twice, and then the sort of, it's now it's obviously like, even singing it, it a song depends, that it depends, you're brought up. It depends who was singing it and where you were and who you're around. Sure. Okay. Yeah, it's, sure. It depends. You know, that's the one thing. That's, that's speaking from more personal experience. Like, yeah, it's something to be like, nah, bro. I think it was. I think it was also Dave Chappelle kind of brought that up, or somebody's like, yeah, man, you gotta make sure you got the, you gotta make sure you. Oh, it was Cat Williams, I think, that brought that up. He's like, yeah, man, certain people, you know, you you get a pass, and then something's just like, hey, he's just like, yeah, or there was, it was Dave Chappelle's like, yeah, around me, that's cool, but I'm just gonna warn you now. That's not gonna always work. Yeah, you don't get a you don't get a pass so for everyone. <laughs> yeah, well, let me stop <laughs> no, you now that's, before that's you get really though. comfortable. I actually had to well, do that with so a friend. When that, actually, when, a friend when of mine, GMX came out, right when he was, you know, at the height of his career, where like every song on the radio was like every other song was DMX. I lived in Newark, um, which is, uh, as we say, probably his target audience, I suppose. Um, I'll go ahead and say it. You would have been made fun of if you didn't <laughs> say the words. Uh, people would have goofed on you for not saying it. They would have been like, well, what does that make you uncomfortable? Like, you know, it's... And obviously, you know, that's just the time and the location. And, you know, no one's... There's, there's real problems in, in in Newark. And one of those problems isn't, you know, white dudes singing along with DMX, you know? <laughs> um, no, I actually came home and there was a, this is a true story, right? A hundred percent true story. I came home one day and I was upstairs, and uh, all of a sudden I heard cop cars and helicopters, whatever. There was a gunfight in front of my house, like there was construction, so like you know, I guess a lot of concealment and cover. Uh, there was a gunfight in front of my house, like literally. I was, like, watching it um, between the cops and whatever. And, like, I was so close I could hear them from in the house. So, like, if you look at the sliding scale of singing along with DMX and saying the words that are unacceptable now versus literally a gunfight in my street, I think, you know, it's like there's bigger problems, you know, than a girl singing along with Kendrick Lamar. Um, you know, just to me. Uh, yeah, that's true. And not to say that, if, not to say that someone shouldn't be checked when they're saying certain things. Sure, sure. Right? But it can it can be done in a way where you're not totally diminishing that person. Exactly. There, uh, you know what? There's people that like absolutely should be diminished. Like every Halloween, you got to cringe when people wear inappropriate costumes. It's like, come on, dude, you're in college. You're in college. You know that's not acceptable. Those people, I have no sympathy for them. But you get called up on stage, you kind of think, oh, I, I don't know. He could have said something. He could have said, oh yeah, he could have. He could have coached. He could have prefaced it like, hey, again, you know, obviously she knows the words. So you know, you tell your DJ, hold, hold, stop the music. All right, now when we get to the chorus, you know what not to say, right? <laughs> and and it, there it is. Yeah. You're good. Maybe <laughs> You're she good. thought she had the temporary now, if she test. Now she proceeds to you know go ahead I mean? and do it anyway. Then yeah. You know, to my, you you really want to say that word way too much, you know. Which is, you know, I don't understand when people bring it up. Like, why can't I say it? Why do you want to say it? Yeah, <laughs> it's like why? Yeah. Why are you itching people, to say that so? Easy? <laughs> well, dude, I what think people's opinion change because in my in, so I had this like thread about Roseanne. I got like you know a hundred comments, and 
there were there were a couple black dudes that were like, I used to be cool with it, and you know whatever my white friends knew wouldn't offend me, and now I'm not cool with it. Like those same friends know not to say it, even if we're singing along with a song, right? So I think people's perspective well, is again. If you're lit, look, man, it's like I say, lead, lead by example. I'm not a fan of it. Yeah, I do my best. Oh to no! Not if you're with to someone who doesn't say it, then and, yeah, and you're out of your mind. It's, it's what's so, hold on, what's even funny? Even what's so funny now is like even I'm not even you know I feel a little cringe when I listen to songs that I love like during the '90s or whatever else. Like, and I'll I'll edit myself. I just because I want to lead by example. So if I'm listening to NWA, you know I'm not you know when I sit there and the word comes up, I'll just blank it out just like if it was on the radio when I actually worked the radio when you had the radio edit when the word they'll drop the word or they'll play it backwards or whatever else. So you don't say it, you know, and that's just me. Now, there are people that if they want to say it, then, you know, hey, you know, so be it. But I said, but I got to leave by example because I don't like it because I know what, what comes with it. I'm not going to sit there and dress it up and call it a term of endearment like so many people try to make an excuse for. You know, I was like, I know where it comes from and I also know where it leads to. And not just the fact that just a negative like you know, how it was used in racism, but I also know what it does to the mentality of those who are in and in, in not so the best economic areas or whatever else is how it's still it just how you program yourself with that word and, you know, pretty much limit yourself, you know, just by doing that, because you can say you're accepted, but I'm like, you're accepting a whole lot of other stuff that comes with it. And you think that that's okay. And you, your aspirations pretty much become very limited because you say, well, you know what? I'm just an N word, man. So that's all I'm ever going to be. And see that right there goes to show like, see, that's what happens when you accept it as a term of endearment. And that's what ends up happening. You know? So it's like, if you're not calibrated mentally to really truly understand what you're saying, then you really should avoid that. And then I always ask people, you know, the best thing to do instead of just making a statement is ask people about that. Like, do you know what that, you know, what's behind that word? A lot of times they don't because they've heard it so much, they become immune to it and they right. don't even know. And that's just become a part of the culture. And I'm like, well, <laughs> there was a long time where, you know, lynching and slavery was part of the culture too. We had to stop that shit <laughs> eventually. <laughs> so yeah. now you got mental lynching and slavery going on when you sit there and do it to yourself. And so, and then, like you were saying about the whole shooting outside your, you know, you know, outside your spot, you know, whereas, you know, yeah. you know, I don't think it's a big issue, like, you know, with the chicks in it, well, I said, yeah, but, you know, that, just the mentality behind that word also contributes to what was going on outside your house. You know, the, again, that, that end mentality, you know, and, yeah. and not thinking that your well, this, this conditions are going to get me bigger too. than that word, you know, so. This was a kid and the cops, and this was just like, a, like you, because when the cops arrested him, like, he gave up pretty quick. It wasn't like, whatever, like a yeah. shootout shootout. You know what I mean? Uh, and the, the cops were cursing their heads off like, you're, you're effing exactly. 17 or whatever. And, right. like, you know, but, again, I could have been inside the house listening to, I don't know, I think the kid robbed the liquor the wire. store. I could have been, been the wire. in the house There's listening no to a DMX song on. about him robbing a liquor store, <laughs> you know? Right. Um so you're right. It does. It does contribute to the to the mentality. It's not something I. I mean, look, words matter. You know. Uh, I mean, yeah. whether it's because you use it so much, you get desensitized to it, or you know, you're willing to let it slide because you know I am just a whatever. It's right. it's important, and you know, at the same time, because I rapped along with DMX lyrics in 1991, I don't think that should like be held against me now. You know. No. Nah. Um, <laughs> no. That's insanity. <laughs> But that's where we are. That's, you know. Yeah, I know. That's, that's the thing about it. Everybody's digging up old stuff. You know, just like, oh, remember that time when you blah, blah? Like, dude, that was 40 years ago. Yeah, but you did it. <laughs> I'm like, remember that time when your dad didn't pull out and here you are? Well, you did it. That's a crime against humanity yeah. because look at you now. 
<laughs> yeah, I think I think pulling that stuff out, you know, uh, is is dangerous. <laughs> Finding someone something someone did in their career, like I, I mean, like the Kathy Griffin thing, right? It was recent, at least. It wasn't funny. It was stupid. It was I'm holding a right. severed head. Like, all right, right that's. The joke wasn't funny. Like, I don't remember what the Tracy Morgan joke was. Um, but, like, first of all, I don't want comedians apologizing. Second of all, if you're going to be offended, like, be offended at something that happened, like, now. Like, don't go back to Eddie Murphy Raw, because you're never going to let him work oh, again. Oh, man. You know? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> like, that was no one was safe, no one was safe in that routine. Right. <laughs> well, Richard Pryor. Dude, that was... was like... <laughs> At one point, he just says, I make fun of homosexuals because they're homosexual. He just says it, just right. like that. But, right. you know, dude, I went to go see, I went to go see Dice Clay, right? Recently. Yeah, yeah. Like, like last recently year. Too. Yeah. Okay, you're not allowed to be offended if you go see him because you know what you're buying you a ticket you're getting. for. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean... I didn't go and say, I can't believe he's making fun of this group or that group or saying this thing. or Like, you know what you're getting involved with when you go see Tracy Morgan. He's going to make some jokes. That yeah, Lisa Lampanelli as well. Her her humor is very racially charged. Really shouldn't, like, comedy be, like, a little <laughs> bit dangerous? <laughs> I, I think that's what makes comedy appealing. It's a little bit dangerous. It's stuff you probably shouldn't say. I mean, when it's good. That's the reason why so many people love comedy because these guys and ladies are on the stage saying the things that you think, but you know, it's like, because that's why people laugh. Like, yeah, and like one comedian said, you wouldn't laugh if it wasn't funny. Right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Right. So, you know, because so, a lot of people no, are say that, like Bernie Mac, Bernie Mac should say that, like Bernie Mac's routine on Def Comedy Jam when he's like, I ain't scared of you, motherfucker. He's basically saying, he's like, I'm just saying the stuff you, you're afraid to say. And he was telling the truth. <laughs> Everything he was pointing out is like, yeah, I thought that, but you know, I yeah, just wouldn't want to say that out loud because I'm not the funny guy. <laughs> you know, you just sound like you just seem like the asshole if you're not a comedian saying that. <laughs> you know, so, and you know what, again, my business kind of... isn't judging jokes either, right? So if someone tells <laughs> right, a joke, a joke. And I don't think it's funny. Then, <laughs> I don't laugh. my like, again, my <laughs> business isn't professional joke judger. You know, <laughs> that's um, the reason why I find like one of the the dumbest professions to ever seek out is to be a critic. They're like, you right. are a professional hater. You're like, really? Yeah. Come on, you are, come on, how do you, how do you just appoint yourself as a judge and you didn't go through the necessary process of law school and everything else to be a judge, like a real judge does? You know, but you, but you, you get paid to sit there and to, to decide like, yeah, that's good. No, that's not like, okay. Well, you're if you're the best critic that? in the world, right? So follow my logic here. If you're the best critic in the world, it means people See, they say you're say you're a restaurant critic, and you're like, oh, this food's terrible, whatever. Or you're an art critic, and you're like, this painting is, you know, is derivative garbage. Like, and mostly everyone agrees with you because you're the best critic like ever. So you have. Doesn't that also mean like you have the most average opinion of things? Like you have the most that, redundant opinion. And most and most of these critics are not even qualified to be critics of whatever they're you know criticizing. So you're, you're criticizing you're an art critic, but you probably never you probably never finished a coloring book in your life. You know you know these restaurant critics and most of these dudes can't even like boil water, but they want to sit there and talk. Yeah, you know, I don't you know, have any evidence. The majority of people that was in the professions are not, not going to be critics. So they're so they like, understand the art that goes with it. So they understand what sure. goes into it. Even 
they understand how hard it is to make it in those things. So they're not the people who are actually in these professions are not trying to be critics of that profession, you know. Or, I mean, or even I always, TV shows, I always imagine shows. they failed to, to do it. That's my like. I make up my own backstory. I always think they're like frustrated, like dudes who just didn't achieve it. Well, look at you know, look at singing reality shows. Most of the judges on these singing reality shows are singers who sucked. They're the judges. <laughs> just like you're like, look, you got you, you had one hit. You get Paul Abdul. You know, you get Katy Perry or somebody like that. You know, they're the ones who get to decide. If these these people who are like brave enough to step on stage, man, whether they can move forward with their career with these, you know, whatever labels associated with this show or not, and they the things they say can ru- like crush these people, man. And these people yeah. might actually have real talent, just need to be polished up. But who is Britney Spears to tell someone, yeah, you need to work on this? Like really, Britney? Really? They need a like a better vocal range? Did you really? Did that just come out of your mouth? <laughs> you know, come on, you're the queen of pro tools. You know what, man? You know, Bush, I, I don't watch those shows, but. Program. The most watched episodes are the finals and the one, yeah. the cattle call ones in the beginning where they just crush people. Right. So that kind of tells you something about the viewing audience, right? They want to watch as many rejections as possible. Exactly. Uh, or they want, or it's, well, it tells life. It's like life, dude. It's like people want to see you when you're, you know, you're starting off and you're getting crushed right away and when everything is bad. Or they don't want to go through the process with you how you got to the top, but they want to wait to the very end when you're on top and see all the glitz, the glitz, the glamour, and like, ah, oh, man, so and so won. You know, America's Got Talent number twenty five, but you didn't see what it took for them to get there because you weren't interested in that. You know, you saw that they made yeah, it through the yeah, first yeah. time in the first show, first episode, like, oh. Cool, but then you didn't have the patience to stick with them through the whole season. But now you're ready right. to say, like, yeah, I always like that person from the first episode. When they make it, all of a sudden now you're the fan. <laughs> like, yeah, really? I always, I always like Ruben Stoddard right. or whatever. <laughs> no, right. you know, I, I mean that's the thing. You know, it's, I mean, when I watch, you know, when I've seen those shows, because I don't watch them, but like when I've seen them, I, you know, the the people I like are the people who sang stuff that I like, you know, the songs that I liked, I mean, they're, you know, and that's the end of it. It's like karaoke for me, right? Like, I just go, oh, that was, right. that guy's good. Oh, that Chris Daughtry, yeah, he's good. He sings that song yeah. like the guy who originally sang it. Cool. Right. And that's it. Like, I'm not going to go buy a Clay Aiken album, you know, or whatever. I mean, right. but I certainly don't watch people getting rejected. Like, why would I want to watch, you know what I mean? That's not the well, that's fun the part people, of, of people want to. The, the, it's human nature to want to watch the downfall of others. So therefore, you don't. You see that your struggle is not unique, and you can realize, like, ah, oh, it's not just me. Or, whew, I got it bad, but I don't have it like that. You know, at least I wouldn't get on stage and get booed by a whole like a million people watching. Oh, I'd never do that. Huh? They're crazy. You know what? Well, yeah, I'm you know, a bad singer, the, but I like, didn't just get embarrassed or whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah. No. I mean. Luckily, every band I've been in is a punk band, so being a bad singer is like prerequisite, you know? I mean, that's, there's some good singers in punk, but they don't sing well when they're singing punk songs, so it's kind of... No, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky that way. Um, no, I don't, I don't get any pleasure out of that. Like, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't watch any reality shows, to be honest, so I'm always, like, behind the curve with... Look, man, I'm, I'm in America right now. It's the biggest reality show in the world. I'm good. I'm living yeah, in a reality you know, show. Why don't you reality watch TV. one on TV? <laughs> <laughs> right. Every, yeah. day is a, every day we're in a reality TV show. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's an interesting time, especially for me, like as a researcher and a journalist, because 
like the rules are changing. You know what I mean? Um, like with Trump, I mean, Trump basically reporters are covering him in ways that no one has ever covered a president. Cause when someone comes in, that's kind of got their own set of rules, you know, and, and you have to deal with it. That's, it's just amazing to see those rules change. And then to another extent, like, you know, the legacy media brands, right? Like whatever, uh, put out a daily paper, they're not your only option anymore. And citizen journalism became a thing, you know? So it's it's a real interesting time, like you said, to be in this reality show country that we live in, uh, especially for, you know, for me, because I'm just seeing, like, I don't know how much other industries change, but, like, 20 years ago, right, when Paul Quinn put out his, you know, his first book, um you either wrote for Muscle Media 2000 or Muscle Mag right. or Muscular Development. Yeah, right. But if you didn't, that was it. You didn't write professionally. If you yeah. wrote in the industry, you wrote for one of them. Right. You know? uh, now, that's that's not the case. Uh, and by the way, I, I was rejected Carbone. from uh, Muscle Media. I, I submitted an article when I was 17. Were you really? Yeah, that that was the place. That was very coveted magazine to write for for a variety of reasons. One, they paid really well two grand an article, which is yeah. way higher than yeah, the I never made it standard. Yeah, but I'm I surprised you didn't make it in. I'm, I'm surprised you didn't make it in because early on they used to when they first came out they were they used to they were the first magazine that had very honest information about steroids. No other magazine even yeah. would admit that professional bodybuilders took steroids. The muscle media would come out and say, hey, if you're thinking about taking steroids, here's the real facts about them. Yeah, yeah, and, and that was, you know, it's funny because then I ended up writing uh, after college, I ended up writing for, you know, T.C. Luoma at, at uh, T-Nation or whatever T-Nation, they were called yeah. back then. Yeah. So uh, it was kind of cool because I did, uh, it wasn't getting published by muscle media, but I still worked for the same, you know, editor-in-chief. Right. Still accepted, you know, my article, so it's still kind of cool. Um, but but yeah, no. If you didn't write for a magazine, you didn't write. Now, there's actually some great journalism that you can only get online. You can't, you right. know. Well, now the, the magazine isn't no, a nobody newspaper. Goes, nobody goes to the magazines for good information anymore. <laughs> Back then, well, there it's was going to be late, right? Well, it's going to be late, or it's just not going to be good. It's just not going to be good. I mean, when I'm thinking about getting new training information, I, I don't go to Barnes and Noble and go through the magazines. Uh, no, no, I think you know. Again, it's like being a critic, right? Your magazine has to appeal to the most sort of common level, and most people are going to be right at, at bottlenecks at a certain point. Dudes who've been training for ten, fifteen, twenty years—that's that's not common. So you're right. You know, those magazines have to cater to people who are in their first few years because most people give right. up after their first few years. Yeah, that's a good point. You know? It's a really I good mean, point. I mean, to be honest, my article was garbage. I deserved to be rejected. But um, <laughs> no, nah, it was nonsense. I mean, I didn't. I didn't, like to me, like it, it wasn't. No, it's just the thing about it was that it wasn't just poorly written. It was so bland it was like something about you know three day a week training or you know it was like why would they publish this it was 
nothing they <laughs> probably most of them couldn't have written in a half half an afternoon. Here's a really innovative article on a workout regimen where you train Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that was the level shocker. I was at. I'm that, article, that article wasn't accepted. <laughs> but you know what? They sent me, but here's the thing. Uh, they, to send one, you had to send, you had to ask for their, like their format style, like the style right, guide. Right. Yeah. Okay, yeah. which is super important, right? Because, uh, I actually got a lot of really good information from their style guide. Like, uh, one of the things they said was like, there's no bicep, there's no tricep. It's like pants, biceps, triceps, two heads. You don't have one pant. You have a pair of pants. So their style guide was actually really helpful for like an aspiring fitness writer because I still see people Men's health still doesn't understand that the biceps is the is the muscle, you know, on the front side of your upper arm. Like, they don't get that. They still say, you know, it's a bicep exercise. Um, so, no, I actually, I actually learned a, a lot getting rejected. I learned a lot about formatting an article and, and using the proper terms. And even uh, when I wrote for ECW Press, uh, a book they were like look this is what when you say like the 50s like the 1950s the apostrophe goes where the one and nine would go like that's the thing you're taking out i was like oh that makes sense you know so a lot of places that maybe i didn't get published were helpful you know just trying to figure out how to be a writer believe it or not now you just get that information online oh yeah it's totally different Speaking of information, before I before I forget, what's what's this ingredient in the Onnit supplement you mentioned that is either they're trying to get banned or is moving in that category? Uh, vimpocetine. Um, oh, oh, vimpocetine. Okay, of course I know what that is. For some reason, I thought you said something else. Yeah, that's vimpocetine is very ubiquitous. What's the, what's the issue there? Well. As far as I remember, and I'm not, this is something I haven't, you know, looked into a ton. As far as I remember, it's uh, what they call semi-synthetic. It's got a synthetic, uh, the starting material can be found in nature, but it, it's tweaked slightly for the end product. Okay. Um, and the FDA doesn't, like, allow that. It's, you know, if this isn't the way it's found in nature, then it's an, it needs, you know, additional safety data. Um, the problem is that the FDA accepted the new dietary ingredient notification originally. So now it leads us to question, can something be retroactively disallowed, which has never been done before? Right. So does, is the fight the fight or is the fight for this issue that now they can, now they can have, you know, backseas or whatever you want to call it? That's the more important issue, I think. Um, it shouldn't have been accepted, but it was. And now the fight itself is going to set a precedent over whether they can, like, renege uh, their no objections to an ingredient. Yeah. And so Rogan's company is now a member of the you know, Natural Products Association, and I feel like, you know, everything that this 
the MPA has done is uh, not everything, but the stuff that I dug up is very antithetical to to Rogan's, you know, his moral compass. So, uh, you know, but I mean, he didn't quit. He didn't leave the organization, and I don't think anyone has. But I think that's what his dog in the fight is. Yeah, and to be fair to him, he doesn't really have anything to do with the day-to-day operations of Onnit. He's just an investor. You know, he doesn't run the company oh, okay. or anything like that. But, you know, the problem, too, is not just that. It's also that this organization has come out against Kratom so many times, and Kratom, and, you know, that's something Rogan supports. So it's... It well, that, that, that's, that's why Onnit shouldn't be a member of that. No doubt about that. Yes. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's a tough situation, right? Because they have something material to lose if Impositine comes off the market. And I think it's Impositine. I'm not sure. But, it, but the Impositine is not that beneficial of an ingredient, honestly. It's not even worth the trouble. If I were making a nootropic, a Impositine wouldn't even be in it. Uh, I think they rely on what? How, I don't know how it's pronounced, like Huperzine or something? Yeah. Isn't that their main yeah, thing? I'm not too sure. I haven't looked at Alpha Brain, if that's what we're talking about, in a long yeah. time. What I do know is that tyrosine's in it, and if you don't have at least a couple of grams of tyrosine, it's not worth putting in it. Well, so a lot tyrosine of, a lot was something I started taking uh, when Muscle Media said it was good, actually. And uh, the Department of Defense did some really good research, because they're always oh, investing in research. Just have to have a good. I'm making a pre-workout yeah. drink now. It's going to have three grams of tyrosine. Yeah, per three serving. grams. Yeah, no proprietary blend. Everything's going to be listed on the label, and it's going to have three grams. Now it's very expensive. I mean, almost half the cost of the entire product is that three grams of tyrosine. That's how expensive it is. But if you want to have an effective dosage of it in there, that's what it has to be. Or don't put it in there at all. But what a lot of companies do is they put a hundred milligrams in just so they can have it on the label. Well, 100 milligrams isn't going to do dick. So there's no point even putting it in there at all if you're not going to put an effective dosage in. I would say no less than one gram. You need at least one gram to feel something, and most aren't even going to feel that. Three grams is where no, you start I go, I go with three when I use it, and that's, that's something yeah. I, I grabbed out of, again, out of muscle media. Um, yeah, that's like, you know, I go with three. I can feel, you know, I, I get a better... Um, get you know more focused i don't know if it's the kind of thing i would use a lot but as a pre-workout or before i'm you know studying or something um for sure you know it's yeah yeah you know i think i think it's a great ingredient i mean i don't know do you get it do you get a kick uh, a boost out of it if you combine it with other things is there some synergy that allows you to drop the dose i don't know i don't think there's any synergy that allows you to drop the dosage but with alpha gpc it works well with that citrulline i really like for pre-workout what what there's dose for alpha gpc do you take what what how much or what brand yeah how much how much and how frequent 400 milligrams only on pre-workout days not something i would take every day okay huh i mean i, yeah, I like I, glycerol, I, I like glycerol i like citrulline I'll send you. I'll send you what I'm planning on having in this. I wouldn't mind getting your feedback anyway. But it's. it's but the, the key though is, is that I actually have amounts that I know are useful. Where what okay. a lot of people do is they just have trace amounts of a lot of things that are in vogue just to throw it on the label. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, pixie dusting. Um, yeah, I mean, citrulline works, works too for a nitric oxide pump. You get a nice pump in your muscles, but not if you take 500 milligrams. You have to take three to four grams or more to notice it. Yeah, and it, it takes up space in your formula. Like, people don't want a protein size scoop. You know, they don't want to shovel. Uh, <laughs> well, that, you know that's the I mean? challenge so, is, I mean, one, this has to be a powder. It can't be capsules because it's just too much. Even just, just, just the three grams of tyrosine alone, if it were capsules, you wouldn't even have space for anything else. It would that just would be, be that. And, and even that, you'd have to take six caps, which is a lot for a lot of people to take at one time. So it has yeah, to be a powder. I think when you go over, uh, I think you're, you're really fighting, unless it's something that people, like ephedra, you know, I think if you're going six caps a day, I'd say is most people's limit. And, and then I'm only really talking about something like rip fuel, where people don't want to <laughs> miss their, their six caps. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> that's an old school product <laughs> to bring up. Is that even, does that <laughs> does that still even does that even exist anymore? <laughs> I was like, huh? No, 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 no. <laughs> no, when you said rip fuel, I thought of Ken Blackburn with the full head of hair, you know, like working out in the gym. <laughs> but, but wait, follow me here, right? Follow me. Is there another product that you think people were more committed to than rip fuel? No, I, I mean, mean that's something that I don't. Really I don't know if people were committed or not to it. I, I don't remember anyone taking it, honestly. But really? by the time I was by the time I was taking fat burners, it was the epidrin, aspirin, caffeine stack, and yeah. everybody was all over that. Dude, Rip Fuel was Twin Labs' number one <laughs> seller, and for so long, well, it's, it's a great name. I mean, who doesn't want to take it? Rip Fuel, man, I got to get that. <laughs> when 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 <Epidrine laughs> got banned, they went bankrupt. Like, uh, they Twin didn't Lab have did? anything else. Come again? Okay. Twin Lab did? Yeah, Twin Lab filed for bankruptcy, like, within two years of Effiger going out because they, they just didn't have another idea. And that's kind of what you almost saw, like, when uh, DMAA got banned. USP oh, yeah. Labs, they never oh, yeah, came they up with a viable replacement. Right. Ever. I mean, they were they were done. I think, obviously, if you do a hundred million in sales a year, I'm not going to criticize you and say like you don't know how to, you know, sell products. But if the next year it goes down to, you know, ten million, yeah. it's kind of obvious you had one good idea. You know, well, the DMA the DMAA was an amphetamine type feeling. Sure. So if you're not going to duplicate that, so if you have that in, let's say, a pre-workout drink and people love the kick they're getting from that, and then all of a sudden you have to take it out. If you don't replace it with something that's going to give a similar kick, no one's going to keep taking that product because that's what they're buying it for. No, you're and a lot, a lot, a lot of pre-workout drinks went down the drain. And I think DMAA was very misunderstood. It was, it was categorized right away as an amphetamine and the supposition is, is that it has the same negative effects as taking an amphetamine. And I, I think maybe you should have had more research on it, no doubt about that. But I don't think it was anywhere near as dangerous as, let's say, a street-level amphetamine. No, no, and that's the problem with saying something is an analog. It's just, it's like, oh, it's analogous right. to this other thing. Like, it's structurally, it's really got nothing to do with amphetamine. Ephedrine is actually right. closer to an amphetamine. You can, yeah. you can make yeah. amphetamine out of ephedrine. Yeah, exactly. In theory. You can. 
Yeah, no, you get that's so exactly you right. You can't do that with DMAA. Um, no. Interesting point. They just, uh, it just, I think it just got passed in the House. Um, we're talking about this, um, the SISTA, uh, SITSA Act, which like bans like analogs and stuff, like because you know. Uh, what was it, a fentanyl. Like, they'll just tweak one, you know, molecule and be like, oh, this is a different thing and it's not banned. So right. it kind of categorically bans analogs. But again, it's, in theory, it's based on, like, legitimate, you know, sort of science. Like, this is a tweaked version of this exact molecule, not DMAA has nothing to do with with amphetamine it's not like oh it's a similar it's really not you know right um right people are you know it, it, wasn't, it wasn't even it wasn't even that strong i mean when i took it it increased focus but my heart rate didn't go up i didn't feel the jitters hell i've, I've had jitters i've had stronger jitters off a strong cup of coffee more than i did off dmaa really oh yeah but that's yeah, just me um, i don't know how other people responded to it I'm very sensitive to stimulants, but I didn't have any issue with that. And again, I only took it once or twice because I had some samples, and I, I liked it. But by that point, it was already off the market. Well, you know, the problem, like you said, is misunderstood. Like, I mean, yeah. it really never occurred in nature. So, right, right, like, that's where there was it, a yeah. mistranslation or a study that could never be replicated. So right. it, it really shouldn't have been on the market. It was, it was, you know. A drug. Oh yeah, that's that's um, totally reasonable. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, that's completely reasonable. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's the thing. You know, there has to be like it doesn't occur in nature. It's totally synthetic. Uh, right. All right, I get it. You know, it shouldn't be on the market. Yeah. But, you know, and that's the same thing with, uh, with a lot of things. Uh, and some of it's you know some of it's tenuous. Like DMBA, I think comes from like. You can find the remnants of it when you brew tea. Certain type of tea uh, you can find in the like the gaseous, you know, uh, excretions from the tea. You can find DMBA. That's kind of a tenuous link to the food chain to say this occurs in nature. Um, right. But at the same time, like let's draw let's draw solid lines. You know what I mean? Are you ingesting it when you drink that tea? Yes. Then it's in the food supply. You know. Right. I mean, like you said, we need, you know, we need a standard here. Um, but, yeah, that sits a, is an analog act. It, it'll hopefully get rid of some of the fentanyl, and, you know, but it's dangerous unless they draw, you know, very solid lines. Right. I think, like, everything we've talked about, you know, draw some solid lines, set a standard, even if it's, even if you include context and, you know, uh, set those boundaries and set the lines and then whatever, get stuff off the market or fire people or or don't, you know, but make it clear. Right. Well, cool, man. I think that's a good place to wrap up. Good discussion as always. Anything else you want to talk yeah. about? Any, anything else you want to plug? Uh, no, you know what, I mean, if everyone, like, kind of wants to see, uh, the article that we were talking about, you can go to right. muckrock.com and, um, 
you know, the guy's name is uh, Dr. Daniel Fabricant. They can look it up, and if they want to see uh, the the movie that that you know put me down that path. Um, it's available on what Amazon and uh, yeah, Amazon Prime. Yep. What else? Amazon and, and iTunes, and it's called iTunes. Leaf of Faith. And actually, my article category, I get a credit in the movie, by the way, so I could, like, go to IMDb and, like, have them put me up there. Um, <laughs> Big time now. Yeah, yeah, no, I, it's, it's totally legit. Um, but, yeah, no, people can go check those things out if they're interested. And, um, you know, if they want to wait several months, it'll probably be on Netflix. Uh, but, yeah, just those two things, I think, uh, that's all I got to plug. Yeah, I think anyone who's interested in... Kratom or wants to learn more about it or potentially try it, you should definitely check out the documentary because it'll give you a good balanced information on if you think it's something for you. And then Anthony's article you should really check out. It's very well written. You definitely did your due diligence as always on that. Half a year, man. Half a year in, in vetting that article took with lawyers to get it to see the light of day. Plus, I mean, you had to go. To, yeah, you had, you had to you had to go to strip clubs three times a week and spend eight hours at a time there. <laughs> you know what, man? It was the longest I've ever had to work on a single article and go through the the whole process with lawyers and have them break it down. And, and six months is a long time, you know. Oh yeah. But that's from the first threat till now. Or from the first threat till the publication, it took six months. So if anyone wants to make that worth my time, go read it. Because that's, <laughs> you know, the more people that read it, the, the more worth it, you know, I feel it was to to throw down that kind of time investment. Well, I mean, it's an important article, and this kind of thing sh- should have gone viral, especially in the, the climate we're in right now. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I feel the same way. I mean, but it didn't, and I don't know. You know, maybe I mean, maybe it'll go viral after they sue me. I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully that doesn't happen. <laughs> no, I, I hope it doesn't. But um, like I said, I, I know the people I'm in a foxhole with. I'm very comfortable with them. We did more than our due diligence. So, uh, you know, kind of like nobody wants to get in a fight, but <laughs> it's a lot easier to get in a fight when you know you'll win. Hundred percent. Well, great stuff, man. Thanks again for coming on. Appreciate all the time. Thanks, thanks for having me. I was a, I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, man. Likewise, as always. You take care, baby. You have a good one. Be good, guys. All right, you take care, Anthony. All right. Well, that was a fun one. Covered a lot of ground on that episode. Leave us some reviews on iTunes, on Stitcher. Share the episode to everyone you know. Use that coupon code LLA. Go get 10% off at our respective websites. And then go fuck off, man. Stop listening to shows all day long. Go get some sunshine. Go get some fresh air. Yeah, man. You hear that, Prince? Talking to you. (laughs) (laughs) Prince is funny. He goes, (laughs) I didn't buy Lauren's underwear. Most of my girlfriends didn't wear underwear. (laughs) Thanks for for telling us. All right, folks, that's going to wrap it up, and we'll catch you guys on the next episode. Take care, everybody. All right, take care, everyone.